What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cool Down Time. My name's Marco, and I'm your graphically outdated host. And joining me, as always, the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Uh, Pablo, first and foremost, uh, heard you had a bit of a rough week there. How you feeling, though, man? What's going on? Yeah, I got, like, deathly sick out of nowhere. Nobody in my family was sick. Mm. Not my child, not my wife, nobody. I just, like, came not down COVID? with some... No, not COVID. Tested mm. a couple times. Um... It, it was more like uh, just I just felt like I was at death's door for mm. like 24 hours and then I felt great and then I felt bad again and then I had the crazy shits. Okay. So it might have, See, it might, no. It might have been like a stomach virus thing or something that was fucking with my whole like body. It was like my whole body was resetting and and like purging mm. the demons. You, 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 <laughs> you could say that your body was uh, undergoing new game plus in a manner of yeah, speaking. Oh man, it really was, man. It, all the sorts of things were happening in there. Ty Howard was in there working his magic. All right, you know? that that sounds um, nasty he was in a certain context of me. Uh, <laughs> Nah, but it was it was it was weird. It was weird that it was a touch and go for a second. I was like, "Yo, is something like wrong um, with me?" Sounds like there was but a lot I, of touching. Oh yeah, Todd uh, Howard, baby. Every time uh, sexual. Every time. Well, you know, it depends on where you are in life. You know, I'm at the point in life where you're uh, at I'm death's door, basically. Uh, yeah, death's yeah. door. All right. Yeah, well. no, no, man. But it was. Uh, I feel so much better now, uh, and uh, ready to do the show, man. Talk All some right. video games. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, I mean, I, How I didn't. About you, man? I didn't have as bad of a weekend as you did. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't have irritable bowel syndrome or a yeast infection or anything that you had. I, I, um, <laughs> yeast. I, I don't know. I just it's a, it was a bread later. It was a gift. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, there goes starch off the diet. All right. Okay. Uh, no, I'm doing pretty good, man. I actually had a pretty solid week, man. My my job just told all of us we have to come back to the office now. Uh, oh, so remote days, remote days are yeah. They pulled the Ubisoft on these, uh, yeah, on, on 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 these teams of ours. So we're all back in a couple of days out of the week. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> get- I gotta t- I gotta tell the listeners this because it was it was a pretty funny joke by Marco. Marco said, "Yeah, we might go into the office because they th- I think they think productivity is down." I'm like, "They should just fire the people who are productivity down." He's like, "I don't want to lose my job." <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh. Man, I'm like, oh, I can't tell you how much I accomplish in terms of like chores and errands at home without having to. Pff, I'm doing laundry. I'm in. I'm in the kitchen, and I, I I just wait for the you know the beeps to go off, and I'll go and check the emails, and you know oh well, somebody has a, a question, but man, but it's it, it, but it's crazy though. Like I think a lot of uh, COVID has exposed that a lot of our jobs can can be pretty much done in a couple of emails oh, a day. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Which we shouldn't tell our employer that, but at the end of the day, it is what it is, man. Oh man, yeah. I mean, and, and when you get to the office, man, it's like it's like culture shock because everybody's talking. They let in our office. They let dogs come in because I work for a, a certain pet brand, so dogs are in there barking and you know eating and sniffing around. I'm like, this, this so is that's why they want you to go in the office. Yeah, just to be around these 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 heathens. Um, <laughs> so I'm sound, man. I'm not you liking sound like it you. So far. You work at a you work at a conservative's uh, worst nightmare. Oh. Man, just peasants all around. Peasants every which Jeez. way, man. Um, but listen, 
um, we have a fantastic show to talk about besides just work problems and bowel status updates. Um, we have a lot of stuff to get into this week, Pablo. Uh, we had a couple of showcases to get into. Um, we have some 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 games to slut shame as well. Uh, and we'll, we'll be a little cryptic about that. So you might want to stick around for the main event of the show uh, to see exactly what we have in store for you. But, but, but to um, be clear, so we don't lose uh, listeners up front, we're not actually like slut shaming oh no 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 uh, like, yeah. like it, no actual people term. are being slut shamed yeah. here we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're literally slut shaming video games so you know mm-hmm. if it but if that's triggering um fuck off so we are gonna go ahead and get into uh the first segment of the show dedicated to the games we've been playing since you last heard from us that's called loadouts let's go all systems nominal loadouts ready all right so we are obviously going to be talking about Starfield, but a little bit of good news is this is kind of the conclusion to uh, what's kind of become the trilogy of Starfield loadouts for us over the last few weeks, uh, because me and Pablo have actually both rolled credits on Starfield, which is pretty surreal. Um, You know, just feels kind of hard to believe that Starfield is, for all intents and purposes, technically done. Um, right, right, but, right. You know, if if you've been living under a rock, you 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 probably don't know. There's a whole new game plus thing that we'll dabble into in a second. But Pablo, I think um, we need to kind of jump into our final thoughts about this this massive yeah. game and and what we have um, started to to build in terms of lasting takeaways about this game, the highs, the lows, the the in between, and kind of where we're sitting at, at after the fact now. So I'm going to kick it over mm-hmm. to you first to kind of share your thoughts about where you're at and what's going on. Yeah, what I like about our show, Marco, is that uh, we don't get early review copies of games, obviously, and, and we kind of take you guys along with the journey for us. Like, I, Final Fantasy 16 comes into mind where we were pretty high on it at, to start, and you know, if you've been listening to the show, you know, we, we really don't like that game, and that, and you guys saw that develop throughout. And I'm not saying that's what happened with Starfield, but I have to say that Starfield has become an increasingly more difficult to talk about because even with all my time spent. I'm finding things that are still blowing me away, but also things that uh, I'm running into things that are pretty frustrating at times. Uh, I think to kind of just say, to start off my kind of like opening salvo here, Starfield for me has all, but it's all said and done, felt like a very fragmented experience uh, that has all the right stuff, but it doesn't always come together in the ways that you would want. Uh, like side quests are expansive, at times way more enthralling and interesting than some of the early main quest stuff. But ultimately, uh, they don't really amount to much other than some rewards, uh, some credits, things of that sort. They don't bleed into your main quest or your player's expectations uh, outside of some of the faction stuff. Um, some NPCs will comment on it here and there, but it doesn't really change much of the world. And I have to, guess, walk back a little bit my... Um, my my assertion of the side quest being among the best ever, uh, I still think that when it's all said and done, The Witcher 3 does it better. I think a lot of that stuff, uh, you really feel the impact of the world in terms of your Geralt and how he goes about things in that world. Here, it just feels very fragmented and very disjointed at times. Um, uh, uh, the side content, again, like I said, it's it's always spectacular, but, you know, The Witcher 3 will always... Uh, 
I think will always do it better than most games anyway. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I think I, I'm feeling cl- conflicted because Starfield has all the ingredients needed to, to make what could have been one of the greatest games of all time, but it never really comes together. Um, but let me ask you this, Marco. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious as to where you stand with it because I, we've both been really high on it, but you know, you, I've been very vocal because I'm just I'm kind of following you in terms of you're ahead of me in, in this whole experience because you, you've, you've beat the game before me. You, you've mm-hmm. done some things before me. So how do you feel about the game ultimately, like it, when it's all said and done? Um, my affinity for Starfield has gone pretty much nowhere but but up, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, and, you know, I, I will agree that there are some weird elements in terms of some writing, storytelling, world states. Um, you kind of hope that there's more of a ripple effect with some of the things you do. Yeah. But I, I guess to shoot Starfield a little bit of bail, for a game as expansive as this is, and for a game that's as open-ended in terms of doing what you want, when you want, where you want, it, I think they could only do so much in terms of that ripple effect. Because they have to factor in that a lot of players are not going to get to certain content as early as we might. So um, I I think that they have to play it very safe in terms of how side quests affect the bottom line of what's going on in the universe. But I will say that I have, particularly with like faction quests, I've seen that because I completed a faction quest, I have now, you know, been given access to certain dialogue choices that help me with people that are a part of that faction in different quests. Whereas if I had encountered those quests before finishing the faction quest, I wouldn't have had the path that I ended up taking with those people. So there is some payoff to it. It is admittedly minor, but it is there. Um, I think it's more of a matter of, you know, man, I wish that there was a little bit more gravitas to certain things. And I think that uh, you, you can say that about most side quests, but I actually... I do think it it is among the best side quests that I've played in games. Um, I don't know if it's really going to top Witcher 3 or even Mass Effect games in terms of, you know, just how much I loved them. But I think it is, I think it's still up there for me, honestly. Yeah, it's just sometimes I run into things that feel a little half-baked. Like the whole Mm -hmm. romancing companion thing. Oh, very juvenile on that part. Oh, God. Yeah, and it's very like, I thought there was going to be more to it. No, Um, it's very just conversational exchanges and then weird flirt flirt choices that feel out of place and awkward. It's like, but I love you. Yeah, I I ran into I don't know if this was a bug or 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 something, but I ran into to something where I did a mission and I must have accidentally killed an NPC and I I wifed up Andresia in the game and she left my ass. She mm-hmm. com- she was like I'm so mad at you. I had no idea what I did. I but then I I kind of figured that that could have been. But then later on I found her and I talked to her and we were, we we still married. So I it's just one of those things where it's like I don't know what happened there, but mm-hmm. it just it feels so kind of uh it's such a shallow experience that little things like that don't really resonate because I never really felt married to her. You know, there's yeah. not like that. Once again, we talked about last week that we, I wish there were some like cut scenes or something that would really kind of, uh, put an exclamation point at the end of some of these things. But, but because it all happens in game, it feels a little bit, you know, yeah, it no, I, big I, in, I agree in that, in that essence. But, um, yeah, man. Um, do you think, do you think that this is the win that Microsoft needed uh, ultimately, because I know I I think that it is. I just think that for me, I feel like Todd Howard's um, 
development philosophy and his creative, uh, the way he goes about things, I think it's starting to wear a little thin on me. Not because I don't think that this game is amazing. It's just that I, I don't know if he's scattered brain or he, he's trying to do too much. Because to your point, you said that the, the the size of this game, but I think this game could have probably benefited if it was scaled back just a little bit more and gave you the ability to to, to affect the world a little bit more without having to kind of uh, take into account the expansiveness and almost the endless the endless things that you can encounter in different ways and different order. But I don't know. What do you think? Um, well, so we kind of flirted with that topic. Uh, when we first started talking about Starfield, I, I still think that it is what, what Xbox needed. Um, recent numbers in terms of sales for uh, console units, uh, they've gone up. They're now number yep. two um, yep. for, the, for the month of, I think, August. Um, so that's, that's proof positive that Starfield has had an effect on their bottom line, which is very good news. So I think it is what they need. I think it is a shot yep. in the arm. And, and like I said, it's, it's not, it's not going to be the, the, the one thing they need to do to get back on track, it is the first among many things that they needed to do, but it is the most important thing they needed to do. It's the first I, yeah. domino that had to fall uh, for the rest to follow. And and I think they accomplished that. Um, you know, as far as Todd Howard's development style goes, um, you know, in a way I, I get it, but in a way I also look at a lot of people having a hard time reconciling that this is a Bethesda RPG yeah. and that Todd Howard up until this point I would imagine wasn't aware that that was wearing thin on people. I mean, you know, Skyrim went over great. Fallout 4, you know, some people didn't love it, but by and large, people, you know, don't consider it a terrible game by any means. There really hasn't been any indicator to Bethesda that, oh, the community is really sick of of this type of single-player RPG. So I don't know where he was supposed to kind of go from there. In terms of like, mm. oh, I shouldn't do what I've been doing. That's that that people love. I should. Well, I don't know where he was supposed to go from here, other than evolve the formula that he has, which he did. Yeah, but I, I think the evolve. I, I agree to an extent, but I think what he just did is like kind of take his the way he makes games and then blow it up to like this this like huge scale. Mm-hmm. And I think that in that scale, and because it's so big. A lot of the things that Todd Howard doesn't do great or but doesn't do great, it kind of is more in the forefront than 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 other games because it's so ambitious and so and so sure. big. So, but I, I I when I say wearing thing I, wearing wearing thin, I just mean like I don't know if the next Bethesda game can just be more of the same like this. Uh, I think there needs to be something else that that still feels like a Bethesda RPG, but it doesn't just feel like, okay, bigger than Skyrim, like for Elder Scrolls 6. I just, you know, I don't know. I That's just kind of where I'm at. I'm with, a little surprised at your take, man. I mean, it, it feels like you kind of went back a little bit on some things here because yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, guess I just don't see... I don't see. I, I guess I just don't see the big deal about the formula. I think that they're trying to make a Starfield game, right, That is mm-hmm. that they can build upon with expansions, which they are, and, and that and you know? and mods, right? The modding community yep. is going to do what they did for Skyrim, create whole new storylines on, and they're probably going to pick you know some planet in all of these systems that they created. So they're that not only are they making the game that they gave us to play now, but they're also making a canvas for future content from them and the yeah. community. And I think that's and, what's going to give this game legs for the next five, six, seven years, much in the same way that Skyrim did and Fallout did. So I think we have to look at it short-term and long-term uh, to really yeah, see and, the vision here. 
and all of, all of my all of my complaints and, and and just my current feelings are short term and, and mm-hmm. i think a lot of people have also said well we can't judge a game based on what it will be yes we can i mean we can definitely look at at, at the at the at what's you know, Fallout 4 has done with, with the mod community and, and how that's... I've played mod, Fallout 4 with a whole bunch of new mods and it's made that game an, almost a new experience in some aspects, you know? So I definitely think that the future of Starfield is still very bright and I think the modding community, to your point, is going to take this game to the next level and I think that's on purpose, you know? Like you said, they created not only a game for you to play now but also a game that's going to be around for a long time. But I just... For me, just in terms of right now, I think a lot of the stuff, and I talked to you about this earlier as well, is that I think a lot of my shit has to do with the way I played the game. Mm-hmm. I, you know... I. I've seen a lot of people pick a faction, stick to that faction, and beat the game. And that's what I did, yeah. Yeah, there's been conversations online about mainlining the game and going into New Game Plus. And I feel like that the the answer to that is somewhere in between. I did all the factions before I did the main quest. And towards the end of it, it just kind of felt to me like um, not more of the same, but just kind of like, okay, a different a different take on these different factions netted me the same result in, in almost every way, you know, like uh, the dialogue options, the, the reward, it just didn't, it never felt like, cause at the end of the game, I was a, I was a, 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 a spy, a uh, industry uh, fixer, uh, a, 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 share, a, a, a sheriff. Like I was all these things, and I didn't feel like any of those things once the faction wrapped up. But if I, to your point, if I would have just stuck to one and then went about my my, my merry way doing the other main quest and then finally doing the uh, the other side quest, I think that I would my experience of the game would have been a little bit better and and not have all these kind of things into it. And then the new game plus, I would have enjoyed that more than than I am currently. Do you want? Yeah, yeah. So what what I would say, what what I think would have been helpful, and I I don't think that Bethesda would have, would ever do this because they don't like kind of gating content. But right. I think that the thing about factions is that if you choose one, I feel like it should block you from being able to join the opposition. Right. So if yeah. you're joining Freestar Collective or whatever, the Rangers, whatever they are, you shouldn't be able to join the UC. Or if you join the Crimson Fleet, you shouldn't be able to join the UC or whatever it is to kind yeah. of make you have to sort of role play a little bit better. I can't just be great and also an asshole. You know, like it, it just feels a little bit. I think maybe that's where it feels a little scatterbrained because it doesn't it doesn't make you not be able to do that. And I think right. that maybe if if they made it more of like an important player choice, like, okay, you can join us, but they're not going to take you because they're going to know that you're a part of our group. Then Which, I think that I'm would make mistaken. it more easy to like decide, okay, maybe yeah. I'll do this for playthrough number two, right? So, And if I'm not mistaken, I think Fallout did that. I think if you... Ju- uh, yeah, towards you- the end. Yeah, you have to choose. Yeah. You can't just be like juggling. Yeah, I, I think that is something that they that they missed here um, that I think would have been interesting. And I don't know you know, what the reasons were. Maybe they just wanted to keep things as open as possible. Uh, you Probably, can do it all, yeah. you know, because maybe that's a, a sexier bullet point than saying, eh, you can't do everything. You have to do it on a new game plus and then people would get mad that they're kind of like gating off content like that or something. So I don't know. Yeah, but, but it, I, honestly... It's weird. It- if you would have played New Game Plus, and every time you rolled a New Game Plus, and you did a new factions uh, mm. th- in that way, because, uh, no spoilers, but uh, 
for the reasons in which you'll find out, I think that's the better experience. Yeah. So for anybody going out there, going into the game, just know the new game plus is, 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 is really interesting. And if you do it in that way, I think you'll get a lot more out of it because I it, certainly it'll just, have. Yeah. It not, not only will it like feel like, okay, you have a reason to play new game plus, but there are reasons mm-hmm. and it makes sense. So I, I think that's very interesting in that way. So, um, I want to see yeah, more studios but, do that with New Game Plus, and, and I know we're being very cryptic, but we're trying not to spoil what the actual thing is about it. Yeah, it's not a huge deal. I actually think a lot of places have blown it out of proportion. It's just a cool little touch to incentivize doing New Game well, Plus, besides just carrying over your your level and stuff like that, which which yeah, is what most games do. A lot of people hinted so. hinted at it being amazing, and I think it would be amazing if you know I hadn't done pretty much everything. Uh, I I think I had like ten activities left that I didn't do. Uh, when I went into oh damn into you did everything <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah so well um but anyway um I think you're but, gonna I think you're gonna come around in the game dude I think that it, I think a lot of people and I you know I know some people offline that are are kind of experiencing a little bit of burnout and so some of the some of the things that the game is doing wrong are, are kind of starting to like nag them more than I think it it would have if they weren't no lifing it I feel like you might lighten on 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 some of the flaws a little bit and I'm not saying that they weren't problematic. Um, but but I, I I don't I I I know I've I've come a, I've come I, I've sounded a little bit kind of like negative on the game itself, uh. But I don't I don't think the game is bad. I I, I think it's a great. It's probably one of my favorite Bethesda RPGs. It's just I you're probably right. Like I you know I done everything and 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 you know a lot of people talked about you live in the menus in that game and you do. But that that's not even a bother for me. That hasn't really bothered me mm-hmm. much. Uh, it's just kind of like I my it's really just my shit. It's it's the it's kind of faulting the game for not being perfect. <laughs> no game is perfect. Uh, yeah. and Starfield is definitely not the exception here, but uh it is it is through and through Bethesda RPG for better and worse. Uh and I I, I really loved it. I, I really did. And I am gonna still kind of dabble here and there just to kinda uh, there are some things that happen that, that I just ran into this mission that Marco uh, kinda hinted at and that's fucking interesting. Bananas. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna play that through. No would have probably never gotten there, or maybe would have gotten there couple of hours on the road but it's this it's the little things like that that start propping up and showing up in the game and you're like fuck this is uh mm-hmm. crazy yeah yeah what a game man but uh yeah. we'll be talking about this more in our uh q3 review cast which is going to be coming up in a few weeks uh where we give our final grade for the game and i think that'll be good that'll give us a few weeks to kind of step away from the game play some other stuff and then you know get some hindsight in our system and we'll we'll, we'll come around and see where we land on on starfield uh mm-hmm. but we do need to move on uh pablo you have one other game we want to cover for loadouts uh this should be a doozy because according to you uh an xbox franchise that we know seems to have a pretty shameful copycat out here so talk about it yeah, man, we're talking about the Crew Motor Fest, and it is absolutely a it is shameless in its <laughs> in its approach to just being Forza Motorsport, uh, Forza Horizon. Um, listen, I I it's hard to talk about this game. If I were to talk about this game, and I wouldn't say the name, you guys would not know the which game I'm talking about because it is <laughs> it is identical except it's it, it takes place in Hawaii and, and not Mexico for if you're comparing it to five to Forza Horizon Five, um, and it is exactly what you think it is. It is a racing game, open world in Hawaii. You get to do all the things, uh, go all you know, open world, go into these races during a a music fest slash 
uh, car show type of thing. Uh, you you pick your player at the very beginning. You pick your car at the very beginning, and you, they set you off. The only thing that that kind of separates this game from uh, from uh, Forza Horizon, and I think it's worse for it, is the thing called the playlists. When you play Forza Horizon Five, everything that you do in that game is very much the backdrop of Mexico, right? It's, do it, you never really do anything that's too different? It's all in that area. The playlists are places that you go to and it's like, for example, it's a Japanese drift, drifting, right? And then, and when you play the actual race, it looks like you're in Japan. And Excuse me? it has the it has the neon lights. It's raining. The sleek floors. Uh-huh. It just looks completely different from any setting that's in Hawaii. Then you go uh-huh. into um, the uh, what's an example like a vintage car race. And in that vintage car race, they take away things from the game. Like there's a there's a boost system that makes it very arcadey. That's all taken away. There's an F1 playlist which is uh, more realistic. But the problem is is that it's not realistic enough, so it doesn't really feel like F1. So they try to do a lot of different things. I think that the idea um, sometimes works well. I was going to say it sounds interesting, but I don't know how they execute it. It it works well. It's just unfortunately some of the stuff like the the, the drifting, the Japanese drifting stuff, it just feels really out of place and it's not really cohesive. Uh. Uh, But the other stuff does tend to to, to, to work really, really cool. Like superstar, like uh, what, what they call like uh, supercars, racing, all that stuff. I, I think it, that stuff re- works really well. But I just ultimately for me, it's hard to shake the fact that I just rather play Forza Motorsport. I mean, uh, Forza Horizon for a simple reason. It looks way better. I mean, it, the, now, now the Crew Motorfest is no, is no ugly game. It is a looker, but... It doesn't compare, come close yeah. to, to Forza. Second, the car selection, and and uh, and ultimately for me, I think the setting in Mexico is so much better, so much prettier, and it's so it's a lot more expansive. Mm-hmm. You're in Hawaii, sure, but you're only in one island from Hawaii, and then at that point, it, you, it's not as, as huge as, as you would expect it to be. But it, it's just weird that um, uh, when we talked about Forza Horizon Five a couple of years ago, we. Our takeaway was like we kind of want them to do something different in this in this game, like not a music festival, something that's different but still has that arcade background. And Motorfest decided, nah, we're just gonna go ahead and just double down and do <laughs> that. Um, yeah. It's very rare that you see a game that obviously you got uh, you got. Gran Turismo, and you got Forza uh, Motorsport. Sure, these games are similar, uh, but they do things different enough to where, like, they're not exactly the same game, right? This is just, it's so much this game. From the from the driving in the car and, and the narrator talking to you, you know. The, oh, they have the, the narrator? Show. Is it like the oh, AI they have the narrator- thing? Yeah, they, they have an AI thing. Does it say your they name? Also, uh, I don't, I don't, I haven't. What they didn't have Murphy in the list of names in there? No, you couldn't. You couldn't really write your name. <laughs> I, I didn't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You could actually write your name. Like I, I put like oh, okay. uh, I always use my son's middle name Asher. But no, I didn't hear them say my name. They have an AI, and then they have the narrator, which in Forza Horizon was the the Mexican dude talking to you through all this. Mm-hmm. This one's this lady who's like this. She used to be a she. She's a champion of all these races, and she talks to you through it, kind of walks you through some stuff. 
Oh, also the beginning of the game is it starts exactly like Forza Horizon, oh, where it drops you yeah, into a mid race, and then it's Forza Horizon Five specifically, where it jumps around to different yeah, playlists. It does that? It does exactly <laughs> oh, like that. Oh God, Ubisoft beginning. is so whack, man. This is they, so they, them. This is what they the, do, yeah. man. You know what? You know what it was? They they saw the numbers of engagement when Horizon Five came out in 2021, mm-hmm. being so crazy high, and they're like. Let's do the exact same thing because we'll get the exact same results. No, you won't. You, no, won't. you won't. So you won't. It, especially when you look at, at at the game and go, man, this is. I just rather play the other one, which is the far superior game. Yeah. It's the crew has always had its fans, uh, but the interesting about the crew uh, was that it was unique in a lot of ways. You know, uh, the first crew you can go from New York to California and had these little interesting things like that them kind of scaling that back just so they can uh, emulate what Forza Horizon did is is crazy because they, they've taken the stuff that works for them and then just made a copy of another game and slapped the name the crew on there. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, needless to say, I won't be playing much of that. Um, yeah, you only but, played the trial, right? I think I think a lot of people did that too. Played, just no, played the no, trial no. I, I have... I have um, I have Ubisoft Plus. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what, on, that's what on I meant. Xbox that's what I meant. And, yeah. and I had meant to cancel it, and it, it renewed this month. And I just like, okay, I have it. Let me just go ahead and try it out. Mm. Give me something a little different to play um, than than Starfield. But yeah, um, I, I guess if you're a fan of the crew, I guess check this out. Uh, I guess if you don't have an Xbox, if you don't have an Xbox, definitely check this out. You know. Mm. Uh, but uh, other than that, if you have the means, just play Forza Horizon Five. Yeah, and it's still being supported, yeah. and it's still just as good as it was two years ago. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just so Ubisoft, man. They're 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 hilarious. Really they're just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on, Pablo. We have some news to get into, uh, so let's jump into the segment that covers that stuff called hit points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for hit points. All right, Pablo. So we decided to dedicate our hit points segment to the two showcases that we got uh, this past week. That being. Uh, the Sony State of Play, and the Nintendo Direct. So a um, little bit of housekeeping. We're not going to cover every single thing that was shown uh, for both mm-hmm. showcases, either because not everything was particularly interesting to us. And of course, in the interest of time, for the sake of this show, we don't want you here for three hours, right? So we're going to cover the the things we're most interested in talking about, good or bad. Uh, and then we'll kind of round out each um, portion by giving a grade to each of the showcases. So um, Pablo... Why don't we start with maybe the more contentious uh, showcase of the two, which is the Sony State of Play. Sure. Um, so why don't you walk us through some of our, our notes, and then we'll kind of round out some some final thoughts and a grade after that. I'm, I'm going to go through it, and if you want to stop me, if you want to talk about yeah, no, let, Let's talk about them, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. so uh, yeah, we're, let's talk about that Sony State of Play. Uh, uh, Resident Evil 4, Separate Ways DLC, had a debut trailer, and because there's not enough games in September, it is coming out uh, on the 21st. Marco, what do we think about this? This is uh, this man. is rumored, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this was a foregone conclusion because it is the same DLC that the original had. So we knew it was coming at some point. Not this soon, though. That's pretty crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm excited about it. I, I'm a little concerned, though, because of the reaction people had to the voice actor of Ada Wong. Oh. And the backlash around her and all the harassment she dealt with. Now she's getting a whole DLC revolving around that character. 
I don't know how that's going to go down. I personally didn't have as much of a problem with her voice work as other people did. Um, but I'm looking forward to this, man. Um, yeah. I wasn't, this wasn't penciled in as something I'd be juggling <laughs> right. with all the other stuff, but I'm glad it's coming and I will be playing it for sure. Uh, I'm really excited yeah. about it. I love Resident Evil 4 Remake. It's probably going to be among the top five games of the year for me. But I'm going to wait for you on this. You you let me know if this is if this is a, like an essential thing. Well, I got uh, to see how much they're. The I, I want to see how much they're going to charge for this too. No, no I mean I, I'm literally going to wait for you if you play this oh, next okay. week or or next year. I, yeah. I'm just you, you, usually when it comes to Resident Evil, I defer to you always. Uh, but uh, this looked really cool. I thought it was I, I thought it was awesome. And, and the thing that kind of gave me. Um, a little bit, not hope, but I got excited about is that it came out so soon, which means that they had this complete all ready to go, which means potentially, possibly they're working on the next remake. And I, I, Capcom is just killing it right now. They're a very efficient group uh, when it comes to their workload. So yeah, Yeah. that wouldn't surprise me either. So yeah, pretty hyped. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Coming. And then uh, after that, I, I, I don't know why I said coming, uh, <laughs> but uh, right after that, we got Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, yep. new trailer. Marco, what did, what did we think about uh, this Ubisoft uh, thing? Oh, boy. So this is more of what frustrated me about Sony's showcase and about Ubisoft. I'll save more of the holistic Sony thoughts for the end. But in terms of the game on its own, um, I think it just it just can't get out of this state of decency. It just looks decent in every way, <laughs> shape, and form. It, that nothing about it stood out to me as like, wow, that's pretty spectacular. Oh, at least they got that right. Um, even down to the visuals, where I think, and honestly, that might even be the biggest miss because when you think about, I mean, it doesn't look bad. It looks pretty. It looks pretty damn good. It's just that. It doesn't look as good as what like the films are striving for. So it almost needed to be like this Horizon Forbidden West quality fidelity for me to like go, Absolutely. oh, this is this is in alignment with what we expect spectacle wise from the films. And it's just not that. It just it feels like here's a game in one of our Ubisoft engines doing the Ubisoft formula, right? Yeah. But Avatar. You guys like Avatar, Avatar right? And and it's just so gratuitous that Every time they show a new trailer for this game, I keep waiting for this thing to turn the corner to justify why it exists other than just maximizing this license. But it, it just can't it can't get past that for me. So, yeah, it's yeah. still a bummer. It's still just like, why is this here? Kind of a thing. Yeah. Avatar films are not only just films, but James Cameron is is uses those films to kind of show off a little bit in the technological yeah. way. He's trying to change the way uh cgi and 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 that kind of stuff is done in film and for the most part with avatar one and the last one that came out he's accomplished that this doesn't seem to do anything other than just be another open world game in the ubisoft catalog of yep. games i will say though visually i think that there's a weird there's a bit of a weird thing to it where the backdrop of the game if you really look to the distance kind of looks like incredibly beautiful and then when you look in the forefront and you look the care at the characters and kind of like the stuff the the vehicles whatever they're in it doesn't look as good that's and what it i almost, mean dude yeah. yeah and it throws you off because then you have this 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 uh avatar this little navi this big navi blue thing in front and they're tall and so they're gangly so they look weird and they move weird and the backdrop of that is just this gorgeous backdrop and this the animation just isn't very convincing or looks very good so i um 
I, I've never really had a lot of hope for this game. Uh, I think that a lot of people are 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 excited for it because they are Avatar fans, and it doesn't look like an un, it doesn't look like a disaster. And I think that's that checked a lot of boxes for a lot of a lot of people because licensing games through the through the through the lens of, of video games throughout time have been pretty much horrible. Uh, and that the fact that this doesn't look like a disaster, I think people were like, "Oh, I'll play this." I I I have no interest in this at all. And uh, you know, they, Sony did say this was going to focus on third party games but i mean you ain't got to put you you got to put all the third party games in here you could have put this let this one out um oh, we'll right, talk so, about that yeah wow <laughs> yep we're gonna follow it up uh, here with hell divers 2 an extended look it's coming out february 8th of next year i've never been a fan of hell of hell divers uh but marco what did you think about this um man there there were a lot of a lot of cringy parts of this um oh, this whole, whole thing but yeah. this was the worst because they did the thing you're not so, we haven't seen this since like 2010 man where <laughs> you have the people from the development team pretending like they're playing the game like it's the first time they've ever squatted up before and they're yeah. i've got your six uh three clicks to the left you know like no one talks like this man so immediately it went from cool to comedy in my brain. Yeah. And then the more you saw of the gameplay, the less impressive it was. It just felt yeah. like a very bland sci-fi squad-based thing. I mean, the the giant enemy they were fighting some bile beast or whatever they called it. Um it was very bland looking, very generic looking monster. It was just kind of walking around. It just yeah. it just didn't yeah. look like it was really doing anything and so they kept cutting to different scenes from the action but all they all they show from this giant monster is just just kind of strolling around and it's like what am i supposed to what do you want me to feel about this you know it it, again like to your point they didn't have to they didn't have to present it that way like with the whole voiceovers and stuff like i mean look remnant 2 is a game that came out this year and when that showed out it's a it's a it's a cooperative like squad type of game but when they showed it they didn't really talk about it they just showed the visuals the story they made it interesting enough to where people were really paying attention to what remnant 2 was going to be helldivers focused on the multiplayer aspect of it and then everything else was kind of like fell by the wayside and then they did the whole dumb thing we're like all right i gotcha all right stay still patching you up like I'm yeah. like, uh, I have bye. no other choice but to fire this nuke because everything we've done so far has done absolutely no good. Like, and then the thing explodes. It was ridiculous. My my uh, good yeah. friend of the show, Will, thought this was the, and he made a good point. This is like this is not going to pull anyone away from the Destiny twos of the world or any other game to service that is thriving. This is going to be a complete non-starter. Um, is this uh, so. is this one of the one of the games that that Sony's probably been talking up about being one of their games at service? I know it's not a first party game, but it is like a second party game. Seems it's exclusive like it's, to the console. It seems like it's got all the recipes ingredients, if you know what I mean. I don't know though, man. It it they haven't really addressed it, but that's almost why I'm like, I'm I'm concerned. You know, yeah. Like, don't worry. I'll, what are they we'll doing? What's this. the plan here? So uh, yeah, yeah, this wasn't it for me uh, whatsoever. But what was it for me though? Oh. Was Marvel Spider-Man 2 open world first look. They went into details and some of the lingering questions we had and I thought personally that this game looked absolutely fucking fantastic and I cannot wait to play it. Marco, I know you're not a huge Marvel fan. I know you you enjoyed Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh what did you think about Marvel Spider-Man 2 showcase? 
Um, so I'm of two minds, right? Number mm-hmm. one, I'm I'm incredibly excited for all the reasons that pretty much everybody's incredibly excited, right? It looks mm-hmm. terrific. The open world, uh, adding the extra burrows uh, to the map, I think is going to make this feel really new and fresh and, and unique. And all the gameplay stuff we've seen, uh, including the fast travel function, I think that's oh really cool, the way you switch between the two. I love how instantaneous that is. Um, the other part of my brain is worried about the extracurricular content in the game, because if there's one thing I really ding the first Spider-Man for and Miles Morales for, it's a lot of that, like the optional collectathon content. And so when they started showing what some of that stuff looks like, I started getting a little bit concerned because I'm like, it sounds like you're putting a little bit more gusto on these things than they will probably deserve when we play them in the real yeah. thing. So I, I don't know. I mean, the jury's still out on that, but I think that's going to be the biggest hangup for me because it, side content is really going to make or break this experience for me because I know the main content's going to be great. I know they're going to, yeah, I know yeah, they're yeah. going to knock it out of the park with the main story. Everything I've seen on that front looks terrific. It's just, what else is being built around this is really, really got me a little bit concerned, but not enough to like sound the alarms by any means. Well, I mean, you got you got like uh, Tears of the Kingdom that came out this year, which is an open world game, and 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 you know it's a sandbox type game, so it's not the same thing in terms of comparison. But like, you're still in open world, and so if a lot of the uh, the things that you do that are besides the main quest are just search for backpacks or something of that sort. It's gonna feel a little dated. I know the first Spider-Man. Actually, it's the only game I've ever platinumed. Uh, mm. Yeah, you could come after my gamer card, uh, <laughs> but um, it, it, it. But it, I, I don't want more of that. You know, I, I do think that the first Spider-Man did have a lot of that, but it was to an extent. It wasn't so egregious or to the point where it it, it ruined the experience for me. Uh, but if they're doing the bigger and better which could probably potentially mean more of that bullshit. Yeah, it'll be a little frustrating because you, you want to be able to, to, to experience the, whatever, the whole game. Whatever Insomniac is offering, you want to be able to, to experience that. And if a lot of that is just kind of, you know, what you would expect from a collect-a-thon type of game, it would be a little disappointing. Now, I hope that they've seen things from other games and that the side content is, is a little bit more conse- consequential. I, I think that... Uh, I think that the way of, of just having these things off to the side and, and really not mean anything, I think that stuff is starting to go away. Uh, you know, the Ubisoft type of games, people are re- being really critical of those kind of things. Uh, and I hope that, you know, Insomniac, I, for my money, probably the best development team out there uh, at least at least for sony i would say yeah yeah among them for sure so hopefully that they 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 figured that out and they 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 it's a little bit more than just collect the thon but we'll see but other than that i thought the game looked great i thought that the animations obviously still look dope i i the insta change between peter parker and miles morales that shit is fire uh you know it kind of it's a lot like grand theft auto 5 you know in that way so that that's pretty dope uh, uh i i'm super excited for this uh, and i can't wait you know i i, I really can't wait after you know starfield it, it you know that came in and, and now a couple out many hours into that i'm waiting for the next big game and i think spider-man 2 and you know along with alleyway 2 are my are my like games that i'm really looking forward to here interesting yeah yeah i am too man uh, i think this is going to be a, a very successful game for playstation which uh they they definitely need this year 
But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, other than my concerns about some of that stuff uh, with the, with the side content, I think that you're right. There's a lot to look forward to here, and I'm definitely yeah. ready to get my hands on this. Absolutely. And then uh, let's let's scratch our heads here a little bit. Three years <laughs> after the release of Tales of Arise, it's getting an expansion called Beyond the Dawn coming out November 9th. Uh, I wonder if this was going to be some sort of like sequel or something, and they just decided to drop it as DLC because three years later, that's fuck. Like, what are the they're just working on more Tales of Arise? It's super weird. Like, you got a game like uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 that dropped a year or two after it, and it released a massive expansion just like you know, I think the year that same year towards the end of it. So, three years later, I, I yes, I know Phantom Liberty is also two years later after the, the main release, but there was a lot of stuff happening there that it, it took that long. Tales of Arise, for all intents and purposes, people love that game, and, and, and it, 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 it was it really well received when it came out, but having this DLC come out. Three years later, almost is a little bit weird, but it looked cool. I'm not gonna play it. I, I, I'm done with this, you know. But I, it looked cool. I mean, interesting for those uh, Tales of Arise or Tales uh, fans for sure. Yeah, you know what I think this is is this is a case of fool's gold uh, influencing this company's decision making because at the time when Tales of Arise came out. We were really early in the generation and things were very lean in terms of like mm-hmm. real like new content. So I think that that Tales of Arise, I'm not taking anything away from the franchise or the game. I think it sold more than it probably deserved to sell. I'm not, you know, again, I'm I'm not poo-pooing the game. It wasn't for me per se. I just think that it had more eyes on it because there was it was slim pickings in terms of yeah. new games. So it it's almost like they looked at that and thought, ooh, look at the user base we have for Tales of Arise. Instead of making a, a sequel, Tales of Something Else, let's just let's try to re-engage this user base with this DLC. And I don't know about you or you know, even Tales fans, the diehards are probably gonna play it, sure, but I think that ship has mostly sailed. Um, this has kind of yeah. gone cold for me. It, it, that's that's kind of what makes it weird. Cyberpunk is a, is a, is an anomaly because it's gotten continuous updates to make it a better mm-hmm. game. It's had the Edge Runners anime that that propelled it back yeah, into yeah. the the zeitgeist, and then it rounds out with you know the Phantom Liberty content with another celebrity actor. So it's a bit of a different it's a it's a different path, and I don't think this is yeah. it. So it's just weird. Yeah, now that you say that, it's probably what I said is the opposite of that. This was probably just a a DLC that they had planned and they probably expanded upon a little bit because of what you said. Yeah, before Tales of Arise, you know, I was aware of the Tales series, but I've never heard people talk about Tales series until like Arise started to to come out. A lot of people, you know, were kind of thirsting for the next great JRPG. And I think Tales of Arise is absolutely excellent. But even a person that enjoyed the hell out of that game, uh, having this expansion come a couple of years later just seemed just just feels weird and and, and like it's definitely a head scratcher um but let's go ahead and, and 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 on the subject of jrpgs let's go ahead and talk about the one game that closed out the show that for my money saved this lame and really boring state of play and that's final fantasy 7 rebirth got a trailer and it got a release date Leap year, February 29th, 2024. Great year, great uh, date to release this game. Uh, Marco, you're the fi- you're the resident Final Fantasy super fan. What I'm gonna go ahead and kick it off to you. What did you think about this, man? 
I've been struggling with figuring out how to talk about this because there's there's <laughs> the like crying and shaking. No, it, it, <laughs> first of all, I don't like the way oh, that you. It's the best thing I've ever seen in my life, and it's so good. That's a strangely accurate impersonation of my feelings. Um, <laughs> no, I, but it is to that extent. It's like, how do I talk about? It? Do I talk about this as a Final Fantasy VII diehard, or do I talk about this from a like a presentation perspective? And I, I guess I kind of have to to cover both bases and as yeah, truncated yeah, yeah. of a way as possible, so I don't run long. But as a Final Fantasy VII fan, this looks like maybe the best Final Fantasy I've ever seen from just optics and this is the trailer this is what we're doing kind of standpoint i've i've never even the other trailers for rebirth or any or even remake didn't do this yeah. for me um because it it just feels like this game is so packed with everybody clowned the two disc thing until they saw this trailer yeah 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 makes sense look at the amount of stuff they're going to have you do in this game in how much they're cramming in from the 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 first game and and then all the the dual timeline stuff they're adding along with it there are so many things they're going to be doing in this game that it's 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 kind of mind blowing so i'm all in as a fan from a state of play perspective um i don't want to say it was too much but too late uh, it, it i guess the thing for me is that and I don't want to tip my hand for like the, our final takeaways, but it's like, man, Sony really needed this because yeah. it's so dry on the first party tip right now for, for PlayStation that it's almost like this game had to be here to save the day. And so thinking about like the ramifications of xbox and square enix starting to get a little bit more buddy buddy now and i don't know if i don't know if that means we're ever going to see final fantasy 7 on xbox per se but i think we i think that the tokyo game show coming up now they're gonna talk about final fantasy remake coming out finally but rebirth is still going to be the uh, exclusive to playstation well now now the thing is it's only technically a three-month exclusivity from what we saw in the trailer now, some people are saying, well, Whoa. that might mean just that means the PC, PC. version. I, let's just hold our horses for a second and let's see what happens. But that's kind of oh, what I mean is like Sony really needed this. Right. And if it's funny, if, if there's a scenario where they lose this kind of deal yeah. with Square and they don't have a trump card like this to bail them out of bad state of plays in the future, then oof. Oh boy! It's funny because it wasn't supposed to be like this. I think Final Fantasy 16 was supposed to be also their 2023 savior besides Spider-Man 2. And look, we are in the minority when it comes to Final Fantasy 16, sure. But let's talk about the actual ramifications of that game in terms of how it performed. According to to uh, some insiders, and even according to to Square Enix, kind of like uh, financials. It didn't do what it was supposed to, and they've lost money on on, on this game and are losing money on, on, as a company as a whole. So, th the fact that Rebirth could potentially be their savior is is an interesting dichotomy. But the fact that they're also relying on this to kind of save them, it's, it's a little worrying for 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 as a Sony fan. If I'm a Sony fan, I'm a little worried. I, I can you know 
we, we don't want to talk about none of the none of the console war bullshit. But as a as a fan of 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 of, of PlayStation, uh, they need this. And if three months later it's just on Xbox, and you know, an Xbox being Xbox and Phil being Phil, three months later being on Game Pass, <laughs> yeah, that'd be would so be, sickening. Would be crazy because the rumor is, and, and just to kind of you know say this. The rumor is is that in, in Tokyo Game Show they're gonna announce remake for 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 Xbox and it will be on <laughs> Game Pass, so that that's that would be kind of like damn. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, other than that, uh, I just want to really quickly and I'll I'll kick it back to you, but kind of just give my two cents. I'm not a huge Final Fantasy fan per se, but Marco and I we had the conversation on on, on the text. And I, I I I would it would be. It would be one hell of a year in 2024 if a game came along and was better than Final Fantasy VII Rebirth in terms of what they've shown. And this is coming from a guy who loved Remake. I think it was my game of the year that year, or at least in revisionist history, it, it turned out to be, mm-hmm. or it was among the top three. Uh, but Rebirth, it just it looks like a whole different beast, man. It really does. Yeah, it's going to be a big one, man. And it, it's it's... Man, I'm I'm so relieved too because of how much mm-hmm. I loved remake. I was really concerned, like, okay, what are they gonna do here though? And it looks like they've they're at least from what we've seen, they're evolving the combat, they're evolving the side activities in a way that I think is very pleasing to me as a Final Fantasy VII fan and just, you know, as an RPG fan. And yeah. also Vincent fucking Valentine, by the way. Vincent um, yeah. So man, I, I couldn't be happier. And- I, I will say one thing just to kind of like uh, just play a little bit devil's advocate here. I think one of the things that uh, a lot of people who love Final Fantasy VII Remake, the one thing that they they kind of weren't crazy about was some of the side content just wasn't like very in-depth. It was like about That's 10 true. or 12 yeah. side quests that weren't very – they were – I did them all. I thought they were fine. But if they're doubling that, which they said they were, that they were going to double that – uh, I want it to be a little bit more than just kind of like, you know, find all the kids uh, to, for the school teacher. <laughs> yeah, like, some of those are really dry, man. Yeah, I, I want something. I don't want anything like that. I'm sure we'll, one or two missions will be fine. But if they're going to double it, I want it to be uh, something worthwhile. And honestly, I, I think that I think it will be. I do. I think that they they're they're put they're giving their all to this. Uh, I know remake went through a lot of troubles of development hell, and it, rebirth just seems like it's sailing along. It's coming a couple of years after. It's I can't wait, man. It looks so good. All right. Well, do we want to go ahead and give some final thoughts and some grades for this thing, man? What do we What do we want to do here? You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go quickly. I think that you know. Um, I think Sony, with their showcase this year and in this state of play, are have inadvertently shown that they have that they have nothing really to show in terms of first party or anything like that. That that's going to be that interesting, and for the and for the foreseeable future. Obviously, Spider Man Two is going to be fantastic. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, not a first party game, but it it will be at the at the very least when it comes out a a uh, an exclusive, but. It just it feels like dry season is coming for for PlayStation. You know they 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 got out all their 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 games and all all this state of play showed me is that they really ain't got much. I mean, look, I love Resident Evil Four, but they talked about a fucking DLC. They talked about a Ubisoft open world game. Baby they steps. They talked about 
yeah, baby step. They opened the damn show with uh, that. I mean, uh, granted, you know, whatever people thought it was funny, I, you know, that kind of humor is hit or miss, and that was like a lot. But uh, you know, Tales of Rise DLC, like just the shit that they. And I know people go, well, they, the partners pay for this shit. No, I get it, but Sony doesn't have to take their money unless they absolutely have to. And and I only can talk about what they showed here. And this state of play to me was, you know, was I think personally was abysmal. You know, I, I thought it was just really bad. I'm gonna. I'll I want to grade it. I'm, I'm a, you want me to give you the grade? Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go D minus because of Final Fantasy alone. Uh, just in terms of Final Fantasy brought this up from an absolute F to, to the, to a D minus. What about Spider-Man? Uh, yeah. Spider-Man's cool. But the thing is, I, I already saw uh, mm. Spider-Man. I'm already convinced by Spider-Man. They, they answered a few lingering questions. Then yeah. they had, then they had a, a, a preview a couple of days after that, that, that went into detail. So Spider-Man looks cool. I'm already convinced on Spider-Man, but I, I just think that what a state of play is supposed to do. It's state. It's literally a state of Sony PlayStation, like where they're going and, after Spider-Man 2 comes out, I don't know what they got. You know, I, I don't know what they have. And it's a little concerning for me uh, because we're right in smack, dab in, smack dab in the middle of a of a new console cycle. Like, really? What's happening here? And I know that Xbox started slow, but Xbox is about to ramp up. This shit can't change. And, look, I, and then I know we could be perceived, especially me as an Xbox first guy, and I am. That's like my home console. But I want PlayStation. I want all their shit. I want Ghost of Tsushima 2. I want all this stuff to be amazing. Uh, and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what we're, I don't know what 2024 is going to look like after Rebirth. But yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Man. D minus is a that's that's a hell of a rating, man. I I can't say that I'm too far away from you on it. I I give him a D plus again specifically for Spider Man and Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, uh, and Separate Ways DLC for Resident Evil Four. But that's really that's not a PlayStation thing per se right now. Right, so right. I I think that right now, and I said this to my friend Will, I I think that Sony is barely recognizable at this point as a as a brand they're mm -hmm. they're about one more hop skip and flub away from being as bad as ps3 era playstation where it's like ultimate arrogance lowest amount of effort you know just because we're playstation we think we can get away with murder um that's kind of where they're they're trending right now and as somebody who is you know a longtime playstation enthusiast that's heartbreaking but it's it's yeah. reality um, you know, if they're not flooding the market with this barrage of accessories, they announced even more accessories at this conference or this uh, showcase. Like I told you yeah. guys a few weeks ago, this seems to be their initiative. Headsets, controllers. Now it's colorways. And, you know, now you can skin your PlayStation this color and that color. Like no sense. It, it, they're doing stuff like that. And then they're showing off games that just tarnish that prestige experience of PlayStation, like the Baby Step games, like Foam Star you know like these 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 very hollow games that just don't they don't further the brand in any meaningful way even when they try to do the spin of like see how we're supporting our indie studios that this isn't the time for that right now this is this is this is a time where it almost feels like their their biggest issue is a known quantity issue it's like right. they are hell-bent for some weird reason on making sure everyone focuses 
specifically on late 2023 and early 2024, as if that window of time for them is so packed with games that they have to hold back on showing us anything else. And that's not even the case at all. The biggest problem they have with their known quantity issue is quantity. So <laughs> we're sitting here watching them try to like gas up Foam Stars, Helldivers 2, Baby Steps, so on and so forth, because they have nothing else to show. And what this is doing is in terms of first party, it's putting a lot of pressure on Spider-Man 2 to overachieve, almost in a similar way as Starfield, in, in a sense, for, for Xbox. Yeah. Not quite as much in terms of like how bad Xbox's run was, but in a similar vein, because without Spider-Man 2, we would have gone well over a year without a meaningful first party release, Pablo. So the, yeah. like, the last thing that Spider-Man can do is come out and just be mediocre or just, you know, okay or just good you know like it it, it, Mm -hmm. much like starfield it has to be great in order to justify this painful dry spell that doesn't seem to be getting enough attention quite honestly but the different but the difference is that starfield had to be good because it was the first step towards the new and improved first party output and with spider-man it has to be great because it has to hold people over Till whatever the hell they, they, they decide to release their next first party game. Yeah. Which, look, next 2024 can come out and they can just announce oh, yeah. all these first party games and it'll be fantastic. But you could only talk about the known uh, the known quantities, like Verko said. And they just raised uh, the PS Plus pricing and State of Play did nothing to address that. And two, show us why it's more expensive. It's just basically like you said, when they announced PlayStation 3 at $600, they were like, if you want to get a second job, shut the fuck up. And it's basically, this is what, the, we're PlayStation. We do whatever the hell we want and you're going to buy it. And the sad thing is, is they, they it's still true. <laughs> it, it's still true. that That's the sad thing about all this. Because like we mentioned before, gamers don't really do anything with their wallet. They say they're, they're going to boycott this, not buy this. But if you're entrenched in that PlayStation ecosystem, system uh you're not some of you won't even recognize what's happening you guys won't don't want to and you'll keep buying those fucking controllers keep defending playstation vr2 uh and you know the, the truth of the matter is is sony is known for one thing playstation for one thing and that's incredible first party output and the fact that there's nothing in the horizon um that's uh that should be concerning because it's the thing that they're known for well and even if there was they also they also confirmed like their 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 ceiling for first party content per year is two games. That's the, that's their that's what they want to do. Just two games a year. So it's like, well, even if like even if they had a good year, it would be Spider Man and one other thing. So it would still kind of be <laughs> a little yeah. bit of a drab year for them. And technically they have their second game with Helldivers too, but that well tech well actually no, because that got delayed to next year. So yeah. Even yeah, yeah even then. So yeah. And that's not first party, so yeah. yeah. It, it's funny because if 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 you listeners out there, if you're newer and you've only listened to us for like the last three or four episodes, we've been very kind to Xbox and very critical of PlayStation. You wouldn't know that like a year ago, it was the complete oh, yeah. opposite. So we are like, absolutely, we are the epitome of an unbiased podcast to the point where, listen, you know, we're not flip floppers per se. It's just that we call it how we see it. And when these when these companies go through their bouts of, of foolery, we got to call it out. And Sony's been on one, man. It's just it's- and unfortunately, unfortunately, it's weird because 
when Xbox been at its best, PlayStation's been at its worst. And when PlayStation has worst, Xbox it's so at, weird. At, Why can't at, they both it, just be they great? Can, <laughs> right? They they it just never have. They've never really come together in that way. You know, Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox. It's 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 always they're always at odds with each other in terms of like what they're doing. Yeah. So, well, you know. Yeah. We'll see what happens here, but you know we got something else, uh, another showcase. Yeah, that well, we saw, another direct. We do Nintendo Direct dropped as well, uh, same day as State of Play. They were kind of competing a little bit there, uh, mm-hmm. but Nintendo had themselves a little direct here, uh, and uh, we saw some things. Uh, we didn't see some things, but we'll talk about all that as we go here. Uh, we're gonna follow the same format though, and just kind of talk about some some high or low points worth discussing here. And let's start with Mario versus Donkey Kong. Uh, we got it, the debut trailer for that. It's a 2D environmental puzzle platforming game uh, coming out in February of next year, uh, February 16th to be exact. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of rumors, Pablo, about that next Donkey Kong game coming. Technically, we got an answer to what's next for Donkey Kong through this game. But how are you feeling yeah. about this? Is this exciting at all? No, not at all. But I think that this is, if I'm not mistaken, this is a remaster or a reimagining of a Mario vs. Donkey Kong game that came out for the DS. Uh, so the, the the hope for a new Donkey Kong game is most likely still alive, and it's probably something that they're holding in their back pocket. But the fact that everybody was really excited about a new Donkey Kong game and we got this, I people people will say, "Oh, this is this is a good game. We like this game." Uh, yeah, sure. I, I've never played it, but I, this doesn't do anything for me at all. And honestly, uh, when I saw that, I was very disappointed that this is what, what, what they had to offer. Yeah, everything about this was just made to not be for Marco. Uh, whatsoever. And look, I, I, I think some people are going to eat it up. I think the, 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 the co-op puzzle solving thing is going to be cool. Um, I think the thing for me more than anything is that games like this where they're very puzzle driven to me, they just don't have as much replay value. Once you've solved it, you kind of know what to do uh, unless you have some type of procedurally generated puzzles or something like that to give it new life. But otherwise I think that the shelf life for a game like this is, is not going to be great in terms of replayability, but in terms of marquee, you have a Mario and a Donkey Kong name on the title of your game. And uh, that is going to sell out the ass oh, for Nintendo. Yeah. Oh, for sure. This is going to sure. go crazy. I just think that people aren't going to know what they're getting, and they're going to go, yeah. oh, this is a lot of puzzles, and I don't I don't know how this is going to go over, actually. Yeah, I, I kind of want to interject real quick and just kind of tell you, the theme of this Nintendo Direct was, here's a barrel, and here's a scraper. We're, <laughs> I that, told you, man, last Direct, yeah. I'm like, they're scraping, bro. And and yeah. I have and I and I have and I'll talk about it at the end of it as to why I think that's the reason. But uh, yeah, what, what was the next game? Yeah, the next game know. was uh, actually one that was kind of intriguing. It was uh, the, the Princess Peach game, which got an official name called Princess Peach Showtime. Uh, got a new trailer and it got a release date for March twenty second, twenty twenty four. I watched this trailer pretty much exclusively on my daughter's behalf, uh, and I have a feeling she's going to eat this game up with a spoon because it is it's it's a lot more charming than i thought it's actually oh yeah really cool i like the whole like it's like a, a play sort of aesthetic that they got yeah. going on and it's a play and every level seems to be a completely different yeah. uh play uh you know gameplay mechanic i hope that that's true i hope that every level is literally a new way of playing this game uh, this is an upgrade from what they did with Princess Peach before her last game when she was the the main uh protagonist was 
all her powers were based on emotion because you know women be emotional. Women be feeling. Be... Nintendo yeah, is a little this... behind, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah. But this looks this looks super dope. I was kind of like, I wonder what they're gonna do with the Princess Peach game, or they're just gonna kind of reskin a Mario game. But I like that. I like that they done what they did with Luigi's Mansion, where they gave Luigi a game and it's completely different from what a Mario game is. And I think that this Princess Peach Showtime shit is fucking dope i think that they really nailed it it looks really really cool i i'm I'm looking forward to it honestly yeah i mean you know there's a princess in all of us but mostly you um you didn't deny that yeah you just kind of went yeah that's true uh no in all seriousness i think this might have been my favorite thing from the show uh to be honest with you overall i just thought this looked really good really polished really fun the detective stuff looked cool the combat looked cool it's almost it's got a little bit of the kirby-ish nature of it where you can become certain things uh you know based on levels but it's it's definitely its own unique style and and uh i can't wait to you know play with my kid and see what she thinks because uh she she whenever we play mario kart it's peach all day so she's gonna go wild for this i know it um but up next, we uh, speaking of uh, strong female protagonists, we got the uh, remaster for Tomb Raiders 1, 2, and 3. That's right. Laura Croft's original adventures uh, will now be upgraded uh, with this remaster. Uh, it will feature a uh, toggle for the classic graphics and the upgraded graphics, much like the, the Halo collection uh, of, yep. of games as well. And it is dropping on February 14th. Um, Pablo, I was really curious to know, does this do anything for you at all? Or is this just kind of a, oh, cool, glad it's happening for Tomb Raider fans kind of thing for you? Yeah, it's also coming out on, on PlayStation and Xbox as well. Yes. So, um, Which is where I, I think we would probably want to play this, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I thought it, I thought it, it, it was cool. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, it's fine. It's just one of those things where... I'm not really excited about it, but I'm glad that it exists. Let's just say that, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, I have a lot of nostalgia playing the original Tomb Raider on my OG PlayStation when I was a kid. Uh, I remember it very vividly. I remember uh, loving the game and hating the game because the controller, the controls, really weird. Um, I, I'm most curious to that point if they're going to do anything to modernize the control scheme. I hope so. Um, holding R one to shimmy the strafing on strafing and the shimmying, uh, no, not in, not in my twenty twenty four. That's not going to happen. So, uh, <laughs> but beyond that, I, I'm I'm kind of cool with this. I think it's nice to see that this is uh, this original trilogy is getting some love, and hopefully, this will show some of the newer Tomb Raider fans kind of where all the hype originated from. So, and I love I, I I'm a sucker for the toggle. You know, going back, oh, all this yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and there and there's a marketable uh, difference for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Yeah, Between it's not. It's not like crazy, like a remake. It, no, it no, is no, very no. much a remaster, a no, but no. it's. It, yeah, it looks like it's a pretty serviceable uh, remaster yeah. effort. So I'm I'm pretty impressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Pablo, how mm. impressed are you with F zero ninety nine? We got a. I, we, we got we got we got a racing royale based based on the Super Nintendo version of F-Zero, which was basically, mm. I guess, modded to do this. Uh, it's only for NSO subscribers. It shadow dropped the same day. Yeah. Thoughts, feelings, takeaways. I mean, I, I thought it was pretty funny, actually. You know, this obviously there's Tetris 99 and Mario 99, uh, but this F-Zero 99, it's like 
the rumors are a new F Zero game. Well, I, I technically, I guess that was uh, true. Um, but I, I'm happy that they didn't waste too much time in terms of remaking, remastering, or making a new F Zero game. I'm I'm not a fan of F Zero. I think that you know a, a lot of people. I, I always joke about the fact that there's no F Zero fans. I'm sure that there is, but I I I don't think this it's an essential piece of the of the Nintendo uh, legacy that needs to be put forth into into the new generation uh and i think a lot of people would agree with that the fact that it's an f 99 game it's inoffensive to me i think it's it's fine i saw people play it it looked kind of you know like oh okay, okay. i guess this is the best way to 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 to, to kind of honor f-zero uh but ultimately i i thought it was pretty funny how people were really excited that there was going to be the brand new f-zero game and they got a f-zero 99 based on the snes game uh uh but yeah whatever man just these games are just kind of like whatever and and this i guess is the best that they can do with this and, I, and i'm okay with that but also shows me that nintendo doesn't really think about it zero much you know it's kind of like in the we'll just do this whatever yeah this was a nice little like people pleasing move for them without yeah. a lot of effort really i would imagine uh, if they had done something like remake the the GameCube version of F Zero, which was a little bit on the you know a little bit more pretty than what that game looks like, I think that would be a little bit more noteworthy to me. But even then, I'm not an F Zero fan. I've always been Team Wipeout uh, through and yeah. through, which so is nothing's going to change. The better that. game anyway, yeah, so, by yeah. far. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, hey, if this is a a, a win for F Zero fans, all 99 of you, um, then hey. then great. But uh, no, it's not. This is not. This is not a win for them. I, I I've seen Twitter. They're, they're pretty upset. The fact that they didn't get their their remaster, remake, whatever. I'm I'm happy that it's a 99 game because again, it's just <laughs> it's it, the evil it, side no of reason you, bro. For, it just ain't no, ain't no reason for a new F Zero game. They're just not. And if you and if you want to honor it, yeah, they've already released it on on the uh, on the what do you call what do they call their thing the, the virtual console. Yeah, the virtual console thing. They've already released mm. that on that. So go play it there. And, and this is kind of a, a cool little aside. But other than that, man, F-Zero stands for uh, the fucks that zero people give about the game. So, um, <laughs> Yo, I can't stand this man, dude. <laughs> Just no good. Um, all right. So, um, you know, I, I put this on the docket because I, I, we never talked about this game before. But if if right. for those of you, if you if you happen to... to, to Oh. Check out Open Critic. The demo drop. Yes. If you check out Open Critic or Metacritic, you've seen this game called Dave the Diver that for some reason people are it's, it's that it every year there's always that one indie game that yeah. ju- that people just lose their their minds about and this seems to be that. Um mm-hmm. so Dave the Diver was a PC game now coming to Switch as a console exclusive at least for now. Launches on um, October 26th, but they also dropped the demo the same day. Now, you obviously kind of tipped your hand there that you didn't play the demo. I actually no. did. Yeah. I was kind of saving, oh, yeah. saving my thoughts for this. Um, it's a really interesting game. I think that yeah. I think you might you might actually like it. It's got a little bit of it's it's like this mix of like um, this scuba diving fishing experience. And then there's this overcooked like uh, restaurant portion of the game so you're basically you're basically uh you know you're working for a sushi restaurant you're going and getting the fish that you're going to make for the sushi and then you're serving the sushi to guests that come in uh for a set amount of minutes 
And it's a really fun gameplay loop that I found uh, pretty interesting. I like the art style. I like the gameplay for the most part. It was actually pretty addicting. Um, the story is the typical lighthearted kind of jovial, bouncy indie kind of goop that I don't really care mm-hmm. for too much, but it's there. Um, I can kind of see why this was sort of a, a, a darling yeah. uh, for, for reviews. I don't know if it's going to really, you know, look, this year has been just complete madness. So I, I ain't got a lot of room for no Dave the Diver. But um, right, yeah. the demo was definitely cool. And I do recommend I, some of you try it out, as weird as it is. I, I know some people that played this game uh, and they swear by it. They absolutely swear by it. And I was interested in, in, in kind of checking it out. The fact that it, the demo dropped, I'm going to check that out for sure. Because I was always kind of interested to see what all the hype was about. Uh, but it looked interesting. It, it looks cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. It's got a good soundtrack. It's it, it's it's quite fun. It's quite fun. I got to say, I wasn't like, oh, this is stupid. It, it's No, it's cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, so I, I do recommend trying it out if you're interested in weird little indie experiences like that. Um, but last but not least, uh, they, their their big one more thing was none other than Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, which is a remaster of, it was the GameCube, right? That was on, yeah, the original think, was on GameCube. Mm, wait, was it? I think okay. so. I don't remember. But, I don't remember. Yeah. I'm not a Paper Mario fan, yeah. Yeah, but it got a debut trailer. It is coming out sometime in 2024. Don't know when just yet. Um, Pablo, is it me or is this a was this a wet fart? It was a, for, I, I, a lot of people are like losing their shit about it. I don't get it. I don't. I've never understood the Paper Mario craze. I I I'm gonna talk a little bit more about Mario late a little later in our next segment. But I mean I. I think that this was positioned in a, in a in a way within direct that was obviously supposed to surprise people, um, but this is just a testament to to which just shows and proves to me that they're they're, they're scraping the bottom of that barrel, uh, and I think that something happened. I I think that the Switch Two was probably going to come out. Uh, during the uh the first part of 2024, and I think there was a shift, and I think now it's gonna come out in fall. Cause even the the remaster of of the Luigi's Mansion Two is slated for summer, which is just a remaster. So it just it just feels like this is a, a console dying right in front of our eyes in terms of like developers now moving on to the next thing. But man, it just it just it just feels like. It just it feels a little bit kind of upsetting to me that this is the way that the the switch is gonna go out because you I mean Mario vs Donkey Kong is remastered Peach looks like a great game but then you got all this other stuff that's really just not it's not you know you also got a Mario RPG coming out which is a, a remaster you, you got the Paper Mario to remaster the only thing that's 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 coming out that's big is is Mario Wonder uh, this year so it just it just feels kind of like man. This is the way this thing is gonna go out. Like I, 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 we joked about on the show many, many times about Zelda Remaster HD. You know, coming that that Wind Waker. I, I honestly think that they're just saving that because every new Switch Two or every every new console comes out with the Zelda game, and I think that's what that's what that's where this is gonna be. But man, what what a fucking way to close out. Possibly one of their last directs before we know more about the Switch too. Honestly, it just it, this was a wet fart, 
but the whole direct just was like it just went out that way as well so disappointing to talk about thousand year door i'm not again not really a fan of it looked cool i guess but i I want nothing to do with that game yeah so just to confirm it is a gamecube game original back came out back in 2004 so coming up on 20 years old here's the problem that i have and i agree with a lot of what you said but i'll kind of save a lot of my piggybacking off that for final thoughts I think just in terms of a remaster, this is one of the most unimpressive ones that I've seen them do because the art style for Paper Mario is so unique anyway that if you really compare Mm -hmm. what it looked like on GameCube versus what they're doing here, the differences are very, very minuscule. Um, some, I mean, obviously, textures are going to be cleaner. It's going to be more crispy looking, probably a little bit more vibrant. But if that's all that they're doing to really justify the price tag for making a remaster, I think that this really shouldn't exist. I mean, listen, I'm always happy when people get the game that they want remastered to be remastered. More power to the the Paper Mario fan base. But I just think that in terms of the remaster work, um, this this sort of seems like not only were they scraping the bottom of the barrel for for this game, but they're also kind of giving the bare minimum to really justify its existence over, as opposed to making this a virtual console game or something. You know, like, it just seems like they've, they've completely done away with the idea of ever doing GameCube games on virtual console because they can just take those games and remaster them. Do what they did with Metroid Prime. Fifty bucks. Do what they did. Yeah. Do what they did with Metroid. Do what they did with this and a lot of other stuff. And it just it it's very obvious that that's that's the strategy. Um, I'm just not a especially big fan of it. When, especially when you have just a couple of years ago the better looking Paper Mario game with the Origami King that came out, which was it, it, that game. Oh, I forgot amazing. that game came out at all. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It, I I was I wasn't a huge fan of it, but it looked incredible. It looked it looks way better than 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 this does. It's just I don't know, man. It just feels like um, like you know I get scraping the bottom of the barrel, but they have nothing to the point where they're just remastering shit and like to your point, not really doing a good job with it. You know. Yeah. That's it's uh. Not the way I would have ended the direct. I'll, I'll, I will say no. that much. But uh, speaking of which, um, those are our big, you know, notes that we had for for the direct. I mean, but let's kind of get to final takeaways and a grade, Pablo. Let me kick it over to you first. Everything that we talked about and some of the things that we didn't talk about that were part of this direct. Where do you kind of land on this in terms of a grade and why? Yeah, for me, it's a D plus. Uh, it's it's it didn't really because I'm talking about how I how this direct spoke to me and nothing on it besides uh, the princess peach game and you know david diver looks interesting it, it just it, it, it again i'll echo what i said it just it's a reflection of where nintendo is and how rough it's going to be for the next eight months you know uh for them they they it, it's kind of sad the way the switch has been just this incredible uh uh machine and and and, and giving us some of the best games ever of all time you know zelda games and all that good stuff but we're, we're not going to close it doesn't seem like it's going to close out with a with a with a mario with a 3d mario or that next and i know i, I listen i know that zelda came out this year and it was f- phenomenal but you know next year's a whole new year and and if we're gonna have to wait till the next the end of the year to get something great fine but it, it's just kind of like it sucks it sucks that this is what we're seeing a lot of remakes or a lot of remasters actually and none of which are really that interesting to me so you know uh that's why i give it a d a d plus 
Yeah, I'm actually going to go one notch lower than you. I'm going to go with a D here. Um, you know, and I, I agree with a lot of what you're talking about as well. I, I typically don't like the whole concept of a swan song per se, but I think that it would have been more fitting of a send off to make Tears of the Kingdom the swan song experience for Switch than to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel, as we keep saying over and over again, the way that they have. Uh, because this just feels like it's getting a little tacky at this point to me. Uh, because the, it, it's it's the it's the concept of scraping the bottom of the bin, and it's this too, Pablo. I think a lot of this is the Mario movie effect. The yeah. Mario versus Donkey Kong, Paper Mario coming back, the Princess Peach game. I think... I think a lot of this is very tactical in terms of, oh, the movie was an earth-shattering hit. We need as much Mario content on the shelves this holiday season as, and, and into next year as humanly possible. Oh, even, I'm going to talk about that. Even if it's not necessarily, the you know, it's not a mainline Mario or, you know, whatever the case. So I just think that they're they're kind of running it into the ground a little bit. And, I, and you wouldn't think that's possible with Mario. Um, but oh, it's possible. <laughs> but it's it's possible, and we will talk about that a little later. I I think we're starting. I, uh, me personally, I'm starting to feel the effect of that pretty strongly right now in terms of. Mario I started aspect. feeling it. So I started. I, I'm excited for Wonder. And don't get me wrong, but I started feeling that a little bit with the with the sports games. Again, we'll talk about that a little later. But yeah, as soon as that that they were making almost yearly Mario games, like two two a year in some years. It just felt kind of like, all it's right. gratuitous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the last thing I'll say, I think that this, these 2024 games have to be a confirmation unofficially that the next Switch is going to be backwards compatible. You can, There's no way on planet no way. Terra that they are <laughs> going to release Princess Peach in March, Mario versus Donkey Kong in February. Um, they've got third parties putting stuff out in 2024. Paper Mario has a tentative release year of 2024. You can't tell me they're they're plotting all that out and going to put out a new console next year, and they're not going to be backwards compatible. That would be Luigi's, crazy. Luigi's Mansion Summer, uh, uh, the re, the remaster oh, of, of two? two, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, so it, I think that to me that all but confirms that backwards compatibility is at play here, which is a relief, but. I just think but Nintendo is Nintendo, you know. Yeah, you can never get too comfortable because Nintendo is not—they're not—they're not allergic to 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 fuckery. So you never know what they're going to do. But I at least feel a little bit more peace of mind seeing more 2024 release windows because that tells me okay, there's probably backwards compatibility here and not them doing the Nintendo thing. So, but yeah, overall, I think another poor poor conference. Uh, both of them were pretty were pretty bad. I think Nintendo's was probably the least offensive to me. I would imagine it but, was just lame. It was just but lame. yeah, la- yeah. That's it. That's a perfect word. And we're not normally this like downtrodden about about showcases. It's just that yeah, they were lame. Both of these were very yeah. lame and in very different ways. But yes, lame is the fitting word for both of these. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do need to move on, Pablo. But before we do so, um, listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you've made it this far and you like what you're hearing, uh, consider subscribing to our podcast right now. Uh, we're right where you're listening to us, or alternatively, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google 
and other streaming services too. And uh, maybe you can also leave us a nice review while you're there, since we are a small podcast that really needs those reviews to keep us rolling. Um, if you're new to the show, look, we're, we do this thing weekly. Uh, we're just two friends that cool down, crack jokes, and we discuss a wide range of topics, as you've heard about Xbox, PlayStation, uh, Nintendo, and all sorts of stuff in the industry. So uh, your support goes a long way for two guys like us, for sure. Uh, so think Absolutely. about it. Think about it, okay? Uh, but let's go ahead and move on uh, to the main event of the show. This is going to be a fun one. But we call the main of the event of the show the Checkpoint Chats. Let's get started. It's time for the Checkpoint Chats. All right, Pablo. Did you know that video games are hoes? Did you know that? I know it now. Well, we know it now. We do. Uh, because uh, we are going to be doing what we're calling... Gaming slut shaming this week <laughs> in our checkpoint chat. So here's here's the rundown of what we're gonna do. So in no particular order, me and Pablo both picked five games, franchises, or companies that whore themselves out way too much in the video game industry. And this could be things like oversaturation, too many ports or re-releases, abandoning their core audiences, selling out to the masses, being desperate for attention, chasing trends, that kind of thing. So we're basically picking the Jezebels of, of, <laughs> of the gaming biz, uh, and we're going to talk about why. So, um, you know, Pablo, I would love to kick it over to you first to tell us what the first thing is that you think is... Uh, whoring itself out here in the night yeah. i'm gonna start off with a pretty obvious one i think for most people it's assassin's creed yeah a yep. once promising franchise that garnered praise from critics and players alike for being unique uh, in its premise and excellent gameplay mechanics, when things started to uh, when things started to kind of turn stale for Ubisoft, they clung on to the only thing they had going for them at that time, which was Assassin's Creed. Uh, while games like Black Flag and Origins, uh, they 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 kept the games fresh. Ubisoft saw that success, and instead of being creatively fulfilled with that, they came and saw the dollar signs and went after this shit. Uh, I mean, we're about to get an Assassin's Creed game here where they're trying to. Uh, to throw us a, a, a bone here, we're going back to basics with Assassin's Creed Mirage. But in reality, we're about to get hit in a couple of, I think next year, with the, the Assassin's Creed Inf Infinity, right? Is it Infinite uh, or Assassin's Creed Infinite? A game as service <laughs> portal where we get to see more opportunities for them to whore out the Dead to Me franchise with <laughs> these massive games that have. That really put creative uh, the creation and, and kind of like the 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 art of of the storytelling uh, of of Assassin's Creed in the back burner and just made these massive games filled with nonsense and bullshit and 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 just you got to get a hundred and fifty two hundred hours into it to see the quote unquote true ending but they just want your money they want your attention to be completely saturated into the Assassin's Creed games and they've completely gone away from what made these games great in a way that's really incredibly uh, insulting like again. 
when we saw Assassin's Creed 1, 2, Brotherhood, all that stuff, we thought the Ezio trilogy, that, that shit was amazing. And then I would have never thought in about 15 years from that that these games would now be games at service. Like, that is just the craziest thing. And Ubisoft could have been on this list as a whole ass company. But I wanted to focus on Assassin's Creed itself because, man, they went from, from making this incredible franchise that was unique to now making this a game as service, coming after your dollars, not giving a single fuck about our artistry or creativity and just coming after your money in a way that's really kind of insulting. Anytime you hear that there are 20 plus simultaneous projects for an IP happening, I don't care yeah. what that IP is. It could be Star Wars for all I know. I'm going to look at that and go, that's too much, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it just goes to show that um, Ubisoft in typical fashion is just milking the 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 known commodities that they do have that still yeah. that still matter to people, which is becoming more seldom the more blunders they make. So yeah. and, and it doesn't bode well for Assassin's Creed's future because it's not like those projects have been excellent. I mean, most people liked the recent ones. A lot of people liked Odyssey, a lot of people liked Origins, but I think like the most recent one was that uh, I can't remember Valhalla. You know, Valhalla. like yeah, Awful. it was just Okay, we're back to meandering Assassin's Creed syndrome again. So, uh, you know, it's it's just sad to see because we, you know, we both really liked this franchise in the early days, and and then they just started whoring this franchise out to as many of their internal teams as possible to just run it into the ground. It's sad. Whenever when whenever your 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 uh, your marketing or, or the way you're going about it is, you're gonna throw shit to the wall, see which one of these ones stick is is not a good look for that franchise and a franchise that uh, was amazing man love that Ezio trilogy it's one of the best stories and kind of uh, trilogy out uh, trilogies out there in terms of telling one singular story absolutely and that's not been a thing i mean every game has been completely different and every game it doesn't really coalesce into something big like they're not really telling a story anymore there it's just a it's a sandbox have at it pay me some money uh good luck you know mm-hmm. it's it's no good no good um Here's my first pick, and this is going to be, maybe some people are going to take umbrage with this. I don't know. But um, I got Bioware on my list of, of of the, man, Bioware is like the hoe in hiding right now because <laughs> they've had, they had such a great lineage, man. You think about KOTOR, you think about, I didn't like Jade Empire, but Jade Empire went over well with the community at large. You know, Mass Effect obviously is Mass Effect, Dragon Age for a time. Had some shaky runs here and there, but Dragon Age, generally speaking, is is looked at favorably, I would say. And then here comes Anthem, and then here comes Mass Effect Andromeda, and here comes all here comes all the behind the scenes stuff about oh, the new Dragon Age was going to be a live service game, and now it's not. Mass Effect was going to be an open world game, and now it's not. Like it seems like they are, you know. They are the epitome of that trend chasing company now that um, went from being one of the most influential studios to one of the most derivative in, in a way that I'm I'm kind of disappointed by to this day. You know, I don't walk around expecting to get even with the next Mass Effect and Dragon Age. I don't expect those two games to be along the lines of what the old Bioware would have done uh, right. because they, to me, they just kind of lost their way. And I think that they, and I don't put it entirely on them. I could easily swap out Bioware for electronic arts and be justified in saying that. Cause I think a lot of this 
is EA's fault for trying to push Bioware in this direction of, no, we need you to make a games as a service title that you've never done before in your entire company's history. You know, like I think a lot of that is, is EA's fault, but it's also Bioware's fault for just not doing a good job executing the things that they are good at. You know, like Mass Effect Andromeda, that is their wheelhouse. You sucked at it, you know, but yeah, you just keep, bad. and now they're trying to like whore out the, these franchises again. Like we're making a new Mass Effect guys. Yeah, you are, but it's not the same. You're not the same as you were before. So I can't be as excited as I want to be, uh, because you're a hoe. Um, <laughs> so I just think that they have to, they've got a course correct in a big way and it, yeah, and it's kind of hard to do that when you're, you're laying off staff now and you're becoming a skeleton crew. But um, I think that they had well, a pretty yeah. bad hoe phase there for a while. Yeah, Anthem. Anthem was that 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 game Ugh. where it was like, okay, this isn't the the Bioware we know. No. But hey, they have a uh, Mass Effect game coming soon, so they're definitely gonna go back to to basics. And that game comes out, and it's just a complete shit show. It's like they forgot to make games. Uh, so yeah, again, I can't be very excited for what they have down the pike. I hope that they course correct. But I, something tells me that that. Their whole trend chasing trend chasing thing isn't gonna completely go away. There's gonna be something here in these games that are gonna be like, man, this is this would have never been in the original the battle pass for the next Mass Effect or some dumb yeah, thing like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. Uh, speaking of sucking, uh, my next, uh, you know, because they be hoes out here. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> there it is. I knew it was gonna happen. Place it. It's PlayStation. Look, the market leader and and once considered and still maybe considered to some the tastemaker of the video game world has forgotten that their dominance in video game output is enough to shape video games as a whole but what they've decided to do instead is jump on the games as service trend with over 10 plus games being developed as games as service potentially uh, reviving franchises to make them into into games as fran- uh, games as service playstation has lost the plot in ways that i could not even imagine them doing luckily for them they have great studios that still make games we want but ultimately for me their main focus is these games at service and they many people thought okay there's no way that they're going to completely abandon what they're known for and really do that and they absolutely have they've invested two billion dollars into it they bought a whole ass company ben uh bungie what is you know that pretty much kind of launched this with destiny and and, and there were kind of the, the the people who started to really uh they're the ones that kind of shaped what the future of games as service would be and they bought them they're all in on this and they've nothing to show for nothing exciting within this genre i know people love it but like when you when your whole ass company is the basis of it is we're this is all we're doing for a long time for many 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 years to come i mean this is ridiculous this is this is like the craziest thing they could have done because like for for many years they've been the test the tastemaker the franchise setter of the the you know they they've been the the company that people look to 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 see what's next and unfortunately they've jumped on this trend in a way that nobody else has you know it's insane to me that this is what their future is going to be like and there there seems to not be any breaks here they're going full in uh and and it's disappointing honestly there's a lot of denial about this too 
um, mm-hmm. especially among the the hardcore community of PlayStation fans, which you know I I would say I'm I'm still part a part of in spirit, but I think a lot of people are still trying to fool themselves into thinking that that it's not going to get as weird as it's going to get for PlayStation. Yeah, it's already weird now. And we're not even in full swing with this live service initiative yet. Let's, I mean, in a year from now, two years from now, I don't know what is going to happen. Um, because if this if this bombs, if if they can't get one live service to be profitable or or profitable in a way that they want it to be profitable, because as we've learned, you know, profitability company to company is very different. Um, so oh, who yeah. knows what their expectations are in terms of revenue for these live service titles? If these don't hit, that's billions of dollars in the tubes. That's probably going to mean restructuring some of the leadership in PlayStation. That's going to mean a lot of weird neutral years where they don't have a sense of direction because of the turnover. Like I don't think people realize what's kind of on the line if their moves don't yeah. work out. So brace because yourselves. They're, they're- they're digging a hole. They're they're investing into this, and if they release one, two, three, four games at service that don't hit, then they're either gonna have to climb out of that hole, or they're gonna start digging even deeper, more and more and more, until we find that hit that's gonna make us all our money back. Uh, and that's a scary prospect, honestly. I, I you know, PlayStation has money, you know, but. I, I, they don't have Xbox money, you know. They they have a limited amount of funds here, and it, it, if. If it really gets to a point where they're just in that hole, yeah, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Yep. Well, uh, Mm -hmm. speaking of bad, the next uh, slut shaming we're going to be doing here is for Grand Theft Auto V. Um, Now, look. Oh, boy. Grand Theft Auto V, particularly the single player, is one of my personal favorites of all time. But even I cannot deal with Grand Theft Auto V for this long. Um you know, obviously, we're all waiting to see what Grand Theft Auto 6 is going to be, when we're going to get it, how it's going to be. But just the fact that this has been a game that they have kind of hauled around for so many years through so many console cycles, it's it's hard to, it's it's even hard to remember that this was a PS3 launch game, like not a launch title for PS3, but I mean, it came out, it came out on PS3. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just mind blowing. I mean, look, I mean. Th- Credit to them for making a game that has the kind of legs that the GTA Five has sure. for sure, and it's it's definitely the money printer that every you know every company wants in terms of live service. But I also think that it kind of it tells a story of who Rockstar Games is these days in terms of like mm-hmm. their their general direction, and they almost made the list for me um, because of just the way that they've been moving in terms of business practices. Um, but I think in particular with GTA five, it just feels like they're whoring this game out constantly and constantly, and constantly because they keep making money. And look, if I'm, I guess if I'm sitting in that office and I'm watching the numbers keep going up for a game that's this old, I guess I wouldn't slow down either, but I guess yeah. as a fan, it just gets irritating to see that we've waited so long for a new Grand Theft Auto. Uh, when I think we should have had one at least three or four years ago at this point. Yeah, and the expectation for 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 the next Rockstar game to to do what 
Grand Theft Auto Five there did is there because look at uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. It had its own online thing, and that's basically been abandoned in terms of of you know updates. So if it ain't working for them, they're just gonna abandon that. And there are a lot of people who invested a lot of money, a lot of time into that, uh, thinking that it was gonna be the next Grand Theft Auto. You know, in terms of the online component. Uh, so going forward, the next Grand Theft Auto, the next uh, the next Red Dead, that's probably still gonna be something they're gonna want to do and it's a shame that if it doesn't work out they're they're quick to, to pull from it you know and, and 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 vice versa if it works out they're gonna just keep digging in until until everybody in the fucking world owns a copy of, of grand theft auto 5 and has spent at least a couple of dollars on their on their uh, online service it's, it's ridiculous honestly yeah well speaking of ridiculous what's the next game franchise that you want to slut shame here what's going on yeah, let's go just go ahead and, and 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 encompass this as the Mario franchise as a whole. Look, there's no denying that the mainline Mario series is among the best of the best when it comes to long running uh, franchises. And while Mario, the name for Mario has been for many years treated with respect and in some form of dignity, not even Nintendo can pass up the opportunity to cash in on the beloved stereotypical Italian plumber, Mamma Mia. Uh, but look, but but what was once a, sp- a special time when a Mario game came out, that's not the case anymore. I, I mean, it, it's been kind of reduced to mediocrity if it's outside of the mainline games. I mean, diminishing returns with Mario sports games, uh, games like Mario Aces, Mario Golf, Super Super Rush, Mario Strike Battle League, each being increasingly worse than the other. And it's just an obvious cash grab. Just coming out year after year after year, and it, it just haven't been good. I mean, 10 Mario Party games uh, with each one of those also being worse. And then you look at uh, a, a year we're getting Mario part uh rpg which i know is a great game but the overexposures are real and next year another paper mario game we've already mentioned that not to mention the mario movie which was fine but it's this overexposure that's made this new mario really seem less special every year when a zelda game comes out it's 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 a special time that's no longer the case for mario but yeah again mainline mario games but those are still those are few and far between we had odyssey six years ago we have wonder coming out this year but other than that when in the in-between we had so much mario and it's not been very good you know it just hasn't and i know that people can find the fun in mario games and and i know there's people that enjoy the sports games but those have no legs i mean mario aces didn't last very long and then look at mario strikers the the most recent mario sport nobody's talking about that game nobody's playing that game it's just it's it's sad because nintendo for so long has had has been very uh they're very overprotective of their franchises, but the money is is almost like it prints itself if you just slap Mario onto it, and that's what's happening here. You know, again, the movie was fine, but the movie is just uh, is just going to propel this to 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 a point where I think in a couple of years, Mario is just going to be a, a, a one of these games that come out and people are just going to not really pay much attention because of the overexposure of a once special and incredible franchise. And it sucks, honestly. It really does suck because it, it, you can't really get excited for the next Mario thing unless it's the mainline thing, and, and that sucks because you love Mario sports games. We didn't have them for so many years, and when they were finally coming out, it, I, I fell victim to the overhype each time, except with Strikers, and it just didn't give me anything. It was diminishing returns through and through. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Mario, ho, hoing out out there, <laughs> Mario. Man. Laying pipe everywhere. Oh, oh that's ass. just nasty. 
I won. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, yeah, I just had three awful jokes about Mario's uh, wiener that I'm not going to say. Um, oh, nice. So we're going to move past that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of people are going to have some some pushback to that. But I, what I would say is, I think a lot of those people are going to be more of the old heads that can't they yeah, can't sure. see Mario ever getting watered down. But I think new generations of gamers who are coming out of the woodwork uh, in years to come. If you keep just pumping out Mario games left and right, and a lot of the content you're making is just very anemic stuff, especially like the sports titles, then um, I think Mario is going to lose at least some of his luster um, to to some extent. And on top of that, it'll it'll make the truly good games that are Mario spinoffs suffer. Like we all, we already saw that with uh, the Mario Rabbids uh, Sparks of Hope. Yeah, the numbers weren't very good for that game, and everybody that plays it say it says it's excellent, but. I think we're is, already yeah. starting to feel some of that exhaustion kick in because it's just Mario everything. And I get it. It's it's that's Nintendo. Nintendo is Mario. Mario's Nintendo. Um but there's But it was never like this. But there's this there's such a thing as restraint. And I think Nintendo's kind of losing a little bit of that in this overexcitement and and this this instinct to capitalize on the movie. Uh, There's a right way and a wrong way to capitalize on momentum, and I think that they're starting to skew in the wrong direction here. Yeah, and it's and it's kind of like worrying in terms of the other titles because there's already talks about the the Zelda getting a movie or a TV show, and so they've seen the success obviously with Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, and they seem to be moving in the direction of more, and that's you know, and I know that sounds enticing and fun for some, but what I love about Nintendo and what I love about the franchises is that every time one of them come out, it is an event. It is an event and it is special time in, in video games. And that's, that's not much. That's not really the case for Mario yeah. anymore. Sadly. Well, let me go ahead and jump in with my third pick here for some gaming slut shaming. And ladies and gentlemen, Hideo Kojima is still a hoe. <laughs> He's still a hoe. Um, Hideo Hojima himself. Uh, now, if if you're a longtime listener, uh, I don't remember what episode it was, maybe around the 50s or something like that. We had an infamous episode uh, called Hideo Kojima is a hoe. And uh, <laughs> I kind of went in on him and I, I talked all about just a lot of his Hollywood obsession this buddy buddy i need to show that i'm rubbing elbows with the brightest minds in the world of hollywood and film and not much has changed to be quite honest with you since then <laughs> i mean if you go on this guy's instagram account you know you're going to see a lot of obscure stuff stuff he's listening to music him standing in a weird sushi bar with a deadpan face but then you also see here's me with norman reedus here's me with this director here's me with this guy you all know here's me with uh phil spencer here's me with guys from sony here's me you know and it's like all right you know there's 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 such a thing as being somebody that you know has a lot of networking and a lot of connections and I'm not taking that away from Kojima. In fact, I'm I'm impressed that he's earned that through his work in the gaming industry. But I just think that this has given him kind of that up his own ass aura that bothers me about him sometimes. I know he's a visionary. I know he's brilliant. For crying out loud, 
three, two or three of his games are in my top 10 of all time. So I have no issue acknowledging his, his greatness as a visionary in the gaming space. I just think I don't need to keep seeing him trying to cross over and be this, this Hollywood everyman that he's really not. Um, he's, he's very self-indulgent as well. He's got his own damn podcast where he's just basically gloating about himself in this over... Well, yeah. I don't know if you've ever listened to his brain structure. One episode and I couldn't do it's it. It's so overproduced and, and very like just pretentious at the same time. It's like, man, this guy is for the streets. He really is for the streets. And <laughs> and it's okay that he is. You know, he's, he's, he's a trendy looking guy. He looks cool. He's always got his funky glasses on i mean he's a guy that you know he's earned some clout but i think he kind of just takes that and funnels that into this very whorish way that i just especially on the hollywood tip i just can't i can't get behind that it just feels like he's trying it's very pick me energy for him for for him and i don't i don't like it too much so that's why he's on my list man yeah, I, I I agree. His his pretentiousness is always kind of, I've always kind of excused it. But man, those elbows got to be raw as hell because he's rubbing the elbows on all these people. It, 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 it's crazy. What really threw, put me over the edge was that podcast where it's like, we get your visionary man, but you can't just be talking about yourself like that. That's crazy. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, the, the whole series is like, you know what makes me so great. Here's 20 episodes telling you why. Yeah. It's like... I think about things like nobody thinks about things, man. <laughs> I'm so special in my head, bro. This this, now, this this weird indie album from the Americas that really changed my perspective on world hunger, and I decided to make Death Strand... Yeah, it's, oh, shut like, the like, fuck oh, up. Boy, oh, you speak a game. Now, my next game on my list is a little bit of a redundancy because it's kind of similar to Mario, but... It's not in that we're talking about Sonic the Hedgehog. Sega's mascot has always had like this weird reputation for many years. People swore by it, but those people just never played a Mario game, I guess. Uh, But in recent years, I will say many have turned on Sonic. And let me tell you, that doesn't seem to matter. The more hate Sonic gets, the more games and media exposure it gets. In the last few years alone, we've seen almost yearly releases of a Sonic rated thing. Over 10 games that have all been pretty bad. Mania, uh, Sonic Mania probably being the exception, but this blue thing just won't die. <laughs> it's gotten two movies, countless TV shows. It's everywhere and nowhere all at once. Gamers, films, uh, games, films, shows, release are all almost instantly forgotten. Just last year alone, we got what people claim to be the breath of the wild of Sonic games in Frontiers, and I forgot that game even existed um, while doing research for this topic, but the, the more we try to move on from video game mistakes like the existence of Sonic Sonic as a character, the more he shows up. Sega does not mind flashing their blue hedgehog for anyone. They're out here hoeing this thing out, and it's making money, sure, but it's just like, again, it's just not good stuff coming out. I know people like to, to tend to, to to say that the movie was good. I think that sentiment comes from the movie not being a complete shit show, you know? And so at that point, it's just one of these things where all you see when it comes out, it's Sonic and Sonic and Sonic and Sonic. Uh, and it's just for, for reasons unknown, but the overexposure is unreal here. It, it, it's, it's getting as much in terms of like uh, exposure and, and, and games as a Mario game or, and it's just, 
doesn't make any sense to me because Team Sonic, they don't give a fuck. They just keep put, putting that, the bullshit in that bag and they're just, they don't care. They, they really don't. And Sonic to me is just an egregious, um, oversaturated thing that has, in, has kind of infected our, uh, our media in ways that I just will never understand. Uh, but I guess this was just me more shitting on Sonic than anything. But, you know, it's, it's out there <laughs> overexposing it's itself to everybody. And I don't get it, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a peculiar thing because, you know, I, I grew up a Sega kid, you know, so I, I loved Sonic back in the day. And, you know, I had my time where I, th- I thought Sonic was way better than Mario. I've, I've Obviously, I've, you know, I grew up and yeah. came to my senses as any as, as any rational mammal on planet Earth would do. <laughs> the reality is, is that I think that Sonic's games just haven't been up to par. And yet they still get treated with this sense of reverence that they haven't earned anymore. Uh, arguably yeah. since the Dreamcast era. And I didn't even like that game too much, to be honest. And I'm in the minority there, but didn't like that one either. I just think that, um, you know, Sega has had a very hard time figuring out what to kind of hang on to as a company. And, you know, now they have a little bit more flexibility because Like a Dragon has kind of taken off in, in America. They have that to kind of lean on a little bit better. Um, and of course, Atlas and, and, you know, the advent of Persona and how that kind of became this big thing, uh, globally, I think now, you know, they've, they've got more to play with, but for some reason they just treat Sonic like it's always been great. And it's, it's never been, he's always been, it's always been Sonic the Hedgehog, but you know, (laughs) it is, it is what it is, man. Yeah, man. But uh, let me get to my fourth pick here. Uh, I called an audible mid-podcast. I was originally, to break the fourth wall, I was going to pick Skyrim, but I felt like that was a little too similar to my GTA V argument. It's you know a great game that's just kind of been brought around too much throughout the generations. I actually switched it to Final Fantasy sixteen because Yay, that's a good one. the more I thought about it, the more that the notion of abandoning your, abandoning your core audience and selling out to the masses spoke to me. Um, now that's not to say that, that, that hardcore Final Fantasy fans can't or don't enjoy 16. Um, again, I realize that I'm in a minority, uh, for the most part in my displeasure for the game, but I do think that it's safe to say that the direction and the design of Devil, uh, Devil May Clive, I guess is what I would call it now, but <laughs> the, 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 the direction of it is so unlike what has made Final Fantasy special, um, that it, it's barely even an RPG anymore. It is it has really sold itself out and has become this this glorified action spectacle. It's it's just a lot of bombast and a lot of big monsters fighting and a, and a lot of stuff that looks really cool on trailers. But when you get the game, you realize it's a lot of looks and very little brains. And um, man, that's kind of hoish to me, you know. And yeah. and the sales underwhelming i think that the fan base has spoken that even though hey it's it the game is cool uh it ain't it ain't that it ain't it ain't final fantasy 7 remake it ain't what you did before that it ain't 10 it ain't 12 um and um i think that says a lot so i i think that square um really needs to figure out how to get final fantasy off the streets uh, in terms of the new mainline games, obviously, I think they're doing yeah. great work with the remake stuff with Seven, but the the direction of the future mainline games, you got it. You, you gotta you gotta you gotta save a hoe. You gotta save yeah. a hoe because you can't keep making games like this and and watching Final Fantasy's you know credibility as a great RPG franchise tumble and fall into the bushes like this. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have talked talked up this game, but when we look at the sales numbers as well, like it's taken a huge nosedive. Uh, so you know, for for all intents, people do tend to love this game. I don't know a single person besides Marco who actually beat it. Uh, so you know, <laughs> it, it, there's there's definitely something there with this game where people are, are are unwilling to to accept the fact that it isn't as good as they initially thought, uh, and that's and that sucks. Uh, my my last game here on my list, or I would say my last franchise here are Marvel games. I'll just say basically not named Spider-Man, but even, you know, even then can be jumbled onto this because they do other Spider-Man games other than, than, than Insomniacs. But the overexposure of Marvel films in the entertainment medium is well documented. And many has said that it's ruined movies for a long time, but guess what? Disney and Marvel, they are not done ruining mediums of entertainment. They are coming for our video games <laughs> next. They got Wolverine coming Untitled Iron Man game, Untitled Black Panther game, Skydance New Media has a Marvel game. EA has another unannounced Marvel game besides their Iron Man and Black Panther that it's in development. That and then when you come of what we've already seen with Avengers game games as service flopped, it's the servers are going out. You know, and then that's gonna hurt games like Gardens of the Galaxy, which have been are ex excellent games, but because you know these games have not been great, we're probably never gonna see a sequel to that. You got Marvel's Midnight Suns, Fraxis making basically XCOM with Marvel characters is crazy. I didn't have that in my bingo card uh, last year, and it, there it was. The overexposure is real, and it's only due to get worse, which is scary because Marvel seems to be whoring out their license to anyone that makes video games. I, I'm sure if I send them an email say, hey, me and Marco make games, we have the license to make the next Marvel game if we wanted it, Marco. Uh, you know, and, and the crazy part is that Disney and Marvel have all the money in the world, and they could do this all day and they will and they will even if it's even even if it's back to the theme of my list basically diminishing returns even if we see that we're still going to see all these games coming out and 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 it's not over i i i i i give you a list of games that are that we know about but we know for a fact that many other people are making these people are vying to get that license even xbox has been rumored to 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 kind of be in conversations to have an exclusive marvel game of their own eventually it, it's just going to get to a point where i hope that these games are of quality and and we get an xbox or whoever else gets the next spider-man type game in terms of its quality but we've already seen that that's not always the case the overexposure and so many people making these games they're, they're just some don't grasp the 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 actual what what marvel games are about or they're just obviously making money uh or making games just to make money with marvel's avengers being that case where that game could have been something else but they've decided to, to leverage that license to make a game as service which unfortunately or fortunately flopped harder than i don't know what so uh it, it's it's this is more of a preemptive uh thing on my list here where we're going to see the overexposure and, and the whoring out of these games like never before come next year and the years after that we're gonna see a lot of Marvel games in in, in um in our in our video games, and I'm gonna I have a feeling they're not all gonna be good. And matter of fact, I can almost bet money that they're not gonna reach the level of the Spider Mans or the Guardians of the Galaxy just because people are trying to make these to make money as quick as possible. And that's sad, man. That's gonna suck for a while. Yeah, I agree with you. And I would even go a step further to say that this is probably bigger than just a Marvel problem. I think it's a Disney problem. 
Um, yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars has been kind of, it's been borderline. I mean, thankfully, I think a lot of the content from Star Wars is becoming more diverse where it doesn't have to always have Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. But I mean, it, they still kind of go to the well a lot, though. Um, sure. Not Maybe not as much with um, their uh, their TV content you know, like Andor and stuff like that, where it, it takes place in the universe, but it still feels like its own self-contained thing um, without having to have some cameo appearance from somebody, you know, from the, the, the original films. But I think, I think it's a Disney problem too. I think they just kind of, they've, they've settled on, Hey, who wants Star Wars? Who wants Marvel? Who wants Black yeah. Panther? Who wants Iron Man? And, you know, these, these, these gaming companies are desperate to make a buck and they're too afraid to make original IP. Hey, Go grab that license, pay the fee, work it out, put out a game, and make some money. And it doesn't have to be great. But I think that's not necessarily a sustainable model because games are getting more expensive no. to make and the risk is getting higher. So yeah. not good. But then but then again, you know, if 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 Marvel gives a license to a company, they make a game that's trash, that company goes under and never makes games again. There's plenty of oh, companies and, 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 and that that are willing to take that and again. Disney, Marvel, they got money for days. No doubt. So that, 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 that's going to be a long... They're going to leave a, a wake, a disaster in their wake for a long time. Sure, there's going to probably be really good games along the way. But for every good game, there's going to be like four or five Marvel Avengers out there. Oof, man. Hose. All right. Well, uh, interesting enough, that, that kind of segues to an extent into my fifth and final pick, which might be a little controversial, but I, I got Respawn Entertainment as, uh, as, as, as a little bit of some slut shaming going on here. Boy, we all love Titanfall. Boy, we all wish we got more Titanfall. But boy, did they love Apex Legends. And, um, you know, what I don't like what they did is that they kept us all kind of on the hook for a while. Oh, we're not done with Titanfall yet. Oh, you know, we're still, we, we you know, we, we recognized how much the Titanfall community means to us. And there mm-hmm. would be no Apex without Titanfall. And so, you know, stay tuned and stay tuned and stay tuned. And we stay tuned. And found out that, you know, well, we were going to do a Titanfall 3, but actually, nah, because Apex Legends. And then you find out, okay, now you're making a Star Wars game, so now you're one of those companies. Now, granted, a lot of people really like the Star Wars Jedi series. I don't particularly call myself one of them, but hey, you know, okay, if we, we'll say that they're not bad games, I guess, right? But now you're, now you're doing the licensing thing instead of, you know, your own original ideas, which was working. Right now, you're also the hoe that's taken on Battlefield, right? Because uh, Respawn is um, Vince Sampella is now kind of leading the charge with the you know the return of Battlefield post Battlefield 2042 and that that epic collapse. So now you're just kind of turning into the hoe on on EA's corner. That just you know whoever wants in come come get some you know we'll we'll take we'll take the low life franchise and battlefield we'll take the 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 supreme client with Star Wars and we'll uh, hey we know that we we have a boyfriend on the side that really wants to be in a relationship with us called Titanfall but we got Apex Legend just giving us money giving us money so it's also a little bit of the you know the the money hungry thing too so you know I think that they're probably maybe the more graceful version of of a hoe that what we've talked about on our list today but they got some tendencies and i think it's okay to call out that respawn is kind of they're kind of spawning on that street right now i, I don't know I, 
don't know about that in terms of like them being the most gracious because Vince Ampel always been a hoe. He, this man did uh, the most hoeest franchise of all time, Call of Duty. <laughs> like so, so like it ain't like exactly this ain't new behavior. This is this true. Is, this uh, is true. This is him kind of uh, you know settling in for a little bit with the Titanfall and then him uh, stepping out on his wife a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn for infidelity only here on Cooldown Time. He's back. He's back at it. You know, oh, like man. a back habit. Well, listen, that was actually a pretty fun segment uh, talking about all the hoish happenings in the gaming industry. We hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if we missed anything, uh, we'll, maybe we'll do a part two of this sometime and talk about more ho behavior out here. But that is going to do it for this week's show. Uh, listen, if you enjoyed this, like we said earlier, be sure to subscribe to us uh, to, so you don't miss our future episodes and to show a small podcast like ours a little bit of support. Uh, it goes a long way for sure. But uh, until next time, ladies and gents, thanks for listening. Happy gaming. We'll see you next week. Take it easy. Mama! Make me feel